Sacred Heart. Thursday, the 16th of November. Let's begin together in prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, make us know your ways. For those who have been disappointed by their loved ones, fill them with hope in you. For those who seek the truth, guide them to the fullness of faith in you. For the aging, keep them always in your love. O God, our Father, you sent your only Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, to be our way, our truth, and our life. At this morning hour, we lift our hearts to you in prayer and ask that you guide us through this day according to your will, through the same Christ our Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. It is a better way to start a Thursday morning. We are one week out from Thanksgiving, so hope you got... Hope you got your plans figured out. If you don't, we've got some cool things coming up next hour. From Rita Heikenfeld for Make Ahead Recipes, we've got all kinds of stuff to discuss here this morning. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. Travis has got the video up and running. We'll also talk to Father Philip Michael Tangora. Uh, Brennan Hodge is going to have more thoughts regarding the Synod and South America. Joseph Pierce will discuss the Catholic restoration under Mary Tudor in England after the split that occurred under Henry VIII. And then Pastoral Counselor Kevin Prendergast will talk more. Uh, He's been doing actually a great series with us this month uh, since November is dedicated to the Holy Souls uh, and grief tends to kind of flare up as we approach the holidays. He's going to talk about uh, how to live in a world where that person that you loved and relied upon isn't around the way they used to be. Uh, and so he's got some thoughts about that. Right now, it's two minutes past the hour. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. The head of the FBI says the threat of a terror attack against Americans has increased to a, quote, whole other level due to the Israel-Hamas war. FBI Director Christopher Wray told a House subcommittee yesterday that terrorist organizations, including al-Qaeda and ISIS, have called for attacks on the U.S. and its allies. Wray said the agency is most concerned about domestic extremists. He added, however, that now is not the time to panic and advised Americans just to stay alert. During his general audience yesterday, Pope Francis asked the faithful to pray daily for peace. From Vatican Radio, Thaddeus Jones reports. At the conclusion of his Wednesday general audience, Pope Francis turned his thoughts to the many nations suffering the horrors of war, and he asked for prayers for peace every day, wherever there is war. In particular, on Wednesday, the Pope asked for prayers for tormented Ukraine, which is suffering so much. Since the invasion of Ukraine in February 2022, over 9,600 civilians have been killed and over 17,500 injured. Pope Francis also asked for prayers for the Holy Land in Palestine and Israel. On the 7th of October, over 1,400 Israelis were killed in attacks perpetrated by Hamas. And since then, Israeli airstrikes in retaliation on the Gaza Strip have killed over 11,000 people 
and some 2,500 are missing under the rubble, according to the local health ministry in Gaza. Finally, the Pope turned his thoughts to Sudan, where an estimated 9,000 people have been killed and another 5.6 million forced to flee their homes due to a devastating war between two rival military factions that erupted back in April. That civil war has been described as a humanitarian catastrophe with visible signs of ethnic cleansing, according to the UK's Minister for Africa. The Pope said, let us remember wherever there is war, and there are so many in the world. He said, let us pray for peace every day. Take some time to pray for peace in our world as we desire peace. And that is Jones. Pope Francis is beginning to wrap up his catechesis series on apostolic zeal, summarizing it through the lens of his apostolic exhortation, Evangelii Gaudium, or the joy of the gospel. The Holy Father said yesterday, quote, Jesus is our joy. He said, each of us today, take a little time and think, Jesus, you are within me. I want to meet you every day. You are a person, not an idea. You are a companion, not a program. You are love that solves so many problems. You are the beginning of evangelization. You, Jesus, are the source of joy. Abortion will continue to be upheld as the preeminent priority when it comes to what Catholics should be thinking about in the voting booth. The Catholic News Agency reports the U.S. bishops yesterday debated and then voted on a revised introduction to the document Forming Consciences for faithful citizenship during their fall general assembly in baltimore the vote to approve it with the language of abortion being preeminent was 225 to 11 with seven abstentions it states quote the threat of abortion remains our preeminent priority because it directly attacks our most vulnerable and voiceless brothers and sisters and destroys more than a million lives per year in our country alone end quote in Washington, the Senate has now passed a stopgap bill to fund the government and avoid a shutdown. Mark Mayfield reports. The vote was 87 to 11 with just 60 votes needed to pass. It now heads to the desk of President Biden to be signed. Both Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and Senate Republican Leader Mitch McConnell say they support the bill that extends government funding through early next year. House Speaker Mike Johnson passed the measure with mostly Democratic votes after dozens of Republicans opposed the plan due to a lack of spending cuts. I'm Mark Mayfield. Today is Thursday, November the 16th. It is the Feast of St. Gertrude the Great. Pray for us. Coming up next on the Sunrise Morning Show, Father Philip Michael Tangora joins us. It's 7 past. Support is for MediShare. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that is MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for health care can save many families up to 500 bucks a month, and that is huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The member satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works, too. It's been around for 30 years. Members have shared more than $5 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, really, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with. You can call right now. You'll get a price within two minutes. So see what you can say. This is a very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. Call 844-55-BIBLE. That's 844-55-BIBLE. 844-55-BIBLE. 
with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Father Philip Michael Tangora. He's a pastor, canon lawyer, and author of Holiness and Living the Sacramental Life. Good morning, Father. Good morning, everybody. It's good to have you back. And the U.S. bishops have been meeting in Baltimore this week at their General Assembly. And these kind of gatherings always open with, among other things, an address from the president of the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops. And currently, the U.S. bishops are led by Archbishop Timothy Broglio, who is the Archbishop of the Military Services of the USA, which I think gives him a rather unique perspective on the church and the world. So with that in mind, Father, what stood out in his address to you? Well, he addressed the unique role that U.S. bishops are going to need to play in using their prophetic voice to call for peace. As we all know, in the world right now, the United States is pretty much fighting two proxy wars, one against Russia Just two. via the Ukraine. Well, two that are, uh, that are uh, military conflicts, others that are cyber uh, mm-hmm. conflicts and economic warfare and things of that sort. Uh, so we have the, the one in, in the Ukraine slash Russia, and then we have now the one in the Holy Land, so Israel, and uh, Hamas slash Palestine slash Iran slash the Middle East. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And in each and every single one of these uh, conflicts, the United States is, in essence, fighting this pr- as a proxy mm-hmm. uh, using Israel or using the Ukraine to engage in a military conflict that uh, they wouldn't, they're not directly involved in. Yet we need to be a voice for peace. And and this is what Archbishop Broglio, uh, and this is what uh, the whole world is really calling for, uh, especially the United States to be in this moment, is a a voice for peace. And as we're coming into the Advent season in way too short of a time seems, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, uh, and that is a season of peace. Yeah. That is a season where we are called to come upon the Prince of Peace and to recognize uh, his mother as the Queen of Peace and seek, uh, seek that message of peace. And I, I really feel that Archbishop Rolio is very right that, you know, our, our military has been engaged in conflict for many years now. And, and, and really what the world needs is peace and not uh, the beginnings of, of a third world war, which seemingly looks like it is on the verge of. I mean, Pope Francis himself has said that we are already in the midst of a world war in his perspective that Mm-hmm. This is, I mean, there are things happening all over the world, and your head kind of spins, doesn't it, Father, when you think about, I mean, you mentioned the two big ones that make the headlines, but there are all kinds of Yeah, but of then you have the South China, you've got the South China Sea and say, Taiwan and China. There's, Myanmar. Um, that, that has gone out of the headlines. You've got things in, in sub-Saharan Africa, like Nigeria. Nigeria. Uh, yeah. Stuff going on in Syria. There's Yemen. I mean, to... 
you we 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 get we get fixated on on the big ones of course and and you know i was thinking about the the hamas israel war because of course that's the one that's on everybody's mind there are marches going on sure. all over the united states um on mm-hmm. either side of of this conflict right now and 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 i was thinking about it all kinds of people outraged um about about what israel is doing you know they're bombarding um hamas around around these hospitals but then the u.s Mm -hmm. just confirming that even though people innocent people are dying through no fault of their own it turns out the u.s is confirming hamas is stockpiling weapons underneath these hospitals hospitals and and holding hospital holding hostages I mean, it's just unreal. So some people might wonder, how do you become a prophetic voice for peace in such a complicated world? Well, this is what this is why we really do need to be uh, a little bit more sophisticated. Yeah. And we can't just allow for uh, simple answers, yet we cannot lose sight of the simple goal. Mm. The simple goal is truly peace, for uh, fraternity through unity, peace through unity. And that, because peace is the product of unity. It flows from unity. So if we can unite people, then we can bring about peace, all right? So what we need to do is strengthen and get people together in order to, uh, provide for greater unity, and if that unity is affected, and that's that's where it gets very complicated, obviously, because when one side wants all of these people dead, and the other side wants all these people dead, mm-hmm. that's kind of hard to reconcile. Yeah, uh, and so that's why there has to be uh, a witness to peace, prayers for peace. Uh, uh, the dialogue, you know, people will talk a lot about the First Amendment and how uh, the answer is not censorship, but more speech. Well, we have to provide a louder voice for peace, for unity, that it starts to resonate in the hearts and the minds of people. And that's why I began this by saying it's the usage of one's prophetic voice through teaching through speech more speech that is engendering unity instead of hatred and uh instead of uh fueling debate because no heart was ever converted through debate we need to really just get that language of unity and peace out there more and more and that is how you turn the tide through witness and through using that prophetic voice to proclaim peace to proclaim unity that will ultimately uh, resonate deeper within the hearts and the minds of humanity of our brothers and sisters in this one human family well, thank you so much, Father Philip Michael Tangori. You can find his book, Holiness and Living the Sacramental Life, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Back with headlines after this. It's 15 past. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. 
Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. Support is from Affirm Films comes Journey to Bethlehem, a Christmas musical film for the whole family. This wasn't a dream. An angel came to me. You are in danger, Mary. This child, what is his name? Jesus. Journey to Bethlehem, starring Fiona Palomo, Milo Mannheim, Lecrae, Joel Smallbone, and Antonio Banderas. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. In theaters everywhere now. Soundtrack also available. More information is at journeytobethlehem.com. It's the season of chunky soup and chunky sweaters, which means it's also pumpkin coffee season. And the Mystic Monks have their pumpkin spice blend in stock and ready for you to enjoy. And when you go to the Monks through sunrisemorningshow.com, we earn a commission on any flavor coffee or tea that you buy. Why shell out five bucks for a tall PSL when you can customize your own at home and drink it from a Sunrise Morning Show mug that you can find in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee through sunrisemorningshow.com. One of the reasons we should go to Mass is because it is the food of the saints that we receive. And for the saints, they understood rightly that the time after Holy Communion, that those moments are the most precious moments of our lives. The Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, live from the EWTN Chapel, every morning, 8 Eastern, on EWTN Radio and Television. 17 past. Here's Anna with headlines. Abortion will continue to be the preeminent priority when it comes to what Catholics should be thinking about in the voting booth. That language confirmed by the U.S. bishops yesterday at their fall General Assembly. During his general audience yesterday, Pope Francis asked the faithful to pray for peace in the Holy Land, in Sudan, and in Ukraine. And in his catechesis, started a new little mini-series to summarize apostolic zeal using his apostolic exhortation, Evangelii Gaudium. News coming up again in its fullest form in about 12 minutes. Anna Mitchell, as you were talking with Father Phil and uh, reflecting back on what the U.S. bishops are talking about with faithful mm-hmm. citizenship and abortion and how debate works and doesn't work and how frustrated and toxic things get, uh, I'm just recalling... Um, conversation I had with a person who was on the journey home fairly recently, Dr. John Burchowski, and oh, yeah. he had, uh, he was an OBGYN and he had performed abortions. Still is and, an OBGYN. Uh, well, at the time he was one who did not care for all of his patients, gave the if you know what I mean. full range of reproductive right. health care, as they say. Yeah. So before he had his pro-life conversion, as it were, um, you know, we sort of asked him like, what, what, what arguments would not have worked on you? Mm. And uh, in his mind at the time, he said that the faith argument wouldn't have worked on him because he could just be like, that's your faith. That's not my faith. Right. Right. So the faith appealing to faith would not have worked. And interestingly enough, um, the appeal to science wouldn't have worked on him either because science tells you when conception begins. But it's actually like philosophy and theology that tells you, (laughs) you know, when you're about a person, person. about personhood. Right. Uh, So. He would have just kind of like done the mental gymnastics to get around whatever you showed him in the science. What did change for him was a witness, uh, mm-hmm. a person in his world who witnessed to the truth and beauty and goodness of their faith. 
and it was compelling to him. And mm-hmm. so uh, I just would encourage anybody based on, you know, what Father Tangora was saying and some of the things that are coming out. And, you know, you just wonder, like, what's the argument that's going to really stop somebody in their tracks? I, I would just encourage people to think, who's the person in my world that I can witness to today? Not debate with, not, you know, argue with, not put in their place, but who's the person who could, will... Who God will put in my world today that I can be a witness to, well, even if is, I don't say anything argumentative. This is the hearts and minds game. Absolutely. Because it can be so tempting. I think it's a temptation to pride. And and I fall into this all the time to you want, want to, be able to, to say you answer won. it. Yeah. You, you want to really good at arguing. I had the best argument. And, and we might think that we're arguing on behalf in this instance. You know, God has a check and balance built in on this. You know what it is. It's that when you get into one of those, you don't think of the thing that you should have said until you're driving home. Yeah. It's the check on your pride. Oh, man. 21 past. If you're planning to give an end-of-the-year gift to Sacred Heart Radio, we are grateful. And there are several ways to give, including a stock gift through your IRA or a donor-advised fund. There's planned giving, employee matching funds. You can send a check, donate online, and more. Contact your financial advisor for more information on the tax benefits of donating to Sacred Heart Radio. And to see and read about all the ways to give, visit sacredheartradio.com and click on Ways to Give. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Twin Dental of Cincinnati. Since 1986, twin brothers Drs. David and Michael Rothen have been providing superior dental care in a relaxed and comfortable setting for the entire family. The Twin Dental Doctors utilize advanced dentistry techniques from sedation to implants and the latest in cosmetic options to preserve and beautify smiles. Twin Dental, located just off the I-275 exit at Hamilton Avenue. For a complimentary evaluation, 513-825-6111 and online at twindental.com. Support for Sacred Art Radios from Our Lady of the Holy Spirit Center, presenting the Advent of Christmas in Bethlehem. Bethlehem comes alive and the spirit of the Holy Land is reborn. Sunday, December 3rd is a special day for the children with crafts and activities, St. Nicholas, and live animals. And December 10th, the living interactive town of Bethlehem continues. And this year, it's even bigger than ever. Register at theholyspiritcenter.org. All proceeds benefit the Holy Spirit Center. Hi, this is John Kennedy, a State Farm agent and a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. If you need life insurance, I can help process the best options for you and your family. You can reach me at 859-485-2000 or online at johnkennedyinsurance.com. Why wait in endless lines at the pharmacy when Brozart Pharmacy, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, can fill your prescriptions in a timely manner with high quality. Brozart Pharmacy, fast, friendly service without the wait at brozartpharmacy.com. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Brendan Hodge. He's Darwin from the Darwin Catholic blog. He's author of If You Can Get It, a novel from Ignatius Press and a contributing editor to The Pillar. Good morning, Brendan. Good morning. It's great to be on with you. It is great to have you back. And you've got a piece coming out for The Pillar looking into uh, some comments that Cardinal Christophe Pierre, the Apostolic Nuncio to the United States, uh, made in a recent interview with America Magazine. Can you, first of all, uh, just let us know what he had to say that got you uh, thinking about what we're going to be talking about today? Yes, 
Colonel Pierre was giving an interview where a lot of what he was talking about was the recently concluded first session of the Synod on Synodality. And he said that one of the things that had surprised him becoming nuncio to the United States was that he felt that uh, many of the bishops, whether they were seen as liberal or conservative, did not realize that synodality was a South American process and that it, it had been working strongly in the South American church since 2007. Um, and he said that he felt that the thing that the U.S. bishops struggled with was that there were a lot of Catholic institutions in the U.S., beautiful churches, hospitals, etc., but that no one came to church anymore, and that uh, he and Pope Francis were encouraging the U.S. bishops to go out of the churches in order to meet the people, just as the bishops had done in South America, in order to evangelize, because he said the main purpose of um, synodality is evangelization. So I got curious uh, if this is a big push for evangelization in South and Central America, um, what sort of effects are we seeing? Because it was a big meeting of the Central American Bishops Association in 2007, which was when um, Bishop Pierre, uh, Cardinal Pierre, became a uh, nuncio to Mexico before he was a nuncio to the U.S. And that's kind of where he described there being this kickoff of synodality. So I was curious, were there effects that we could actually see in the South and Central American church? Yeah, interesting. So, of course, uh, with the caveat that numbers and data don't necessarily tell the whole story, it can still be a, a pretty good indicator, or at least something that we should be keeping in mind. So tell us about the numbers that you looked at. So the numbers that I looked at are uh, the Vatican puts out a uh, fact book each year with statistics about the church around the world, um, and that includes uh, the numbers of Catholics in each country uh, and the total population. So you can look at the percent of the population who are Catholic, and it also shows the numbers of marriages and baptisms. Uh, of course, the church recognizes that if someone is baptized into the church, they remain Catholic throughout their lives, even if they, say, start attending a Protestant church or stop attending at all. So uh, perhaps unsurprisingly, the percent Catholic for these countries was moderately stable. Uh, the biggest change was in Brazil. Uh, so Brazil, back in 1980, 90% uh, of the Brazilian population was uh, Catholic. Um, in 2019, that was down to 84%, so it had dropped 6%. Uh, but for uh, Mexico, it had gone from 93 to 91, for Argentina from 93 to 92, and for all of Central and South America, it had dropped from 89% to 86% Catholic. So moderately stable, a bit of a decline. And for comparison, the U.S. had been at 22 to 23% Catholic in that same statistics book the entire time. Okay. Um, well, why don't you tell us about baptisms? Yeah, so I thought... If we want to get a sense for whether people are really continuing to practice their faith, one really good thing to look at is baptisms, because even people who are not very actively practicing Catholic, if they're still Catholic at all, they tend to bring their children to be baptized in the Church. So I took a look at the number of baptisms there were for each thousand Catholics in um, Central and South America. And for the area as a whole, um, from 1980 to 2007, the number declined by 44%. So it went from 26 baptisms per 1,000 Catholics to 15. And then from that 2007 point, uh, which Cardinal Pierre described as kind of the start of synodality in South and Central America, uh, baptisms per 1,000 Catholics dropped another 33%, so from 44.8 to 9.9% uh, 9 .9, uh, baptisms per 1,000 Catholics. 
which is actually very similar to the U.S. The U.S. had been at 20 back in uh, 1980. It dropped to 15 percent, same as South America in 2007, and then it dropped to nine baptisms per thousand Catholics in 2019. So we're seeing with baptisms a pretty significant decline, and it's it's even more stark possibly with marriages. Uh, for the U.S., there were seven marriages per thousand Catholics in the church back in 1980. That dropped to 2.8 in 2007 and to 1.8 in 2019. Wow. For South America, it was five per thousand Catholics, so actually less than the U.S. in 1980, dropped to 2.1 in 2007 and uh, two. Uh, uh, 2.1 in uh, 2019. So there are actually significantly fewer Catholics getting married in the church in South and Central America than there are in the U.S. Wow. Um, none of this really gives me gives me much joy, Brendan. Um, we're running out of time here, so maybe we'll um, maybe we'll revisit this the next time we get together. But just overall, what do you think these data points kind of indicate? Well, overall, it, it looks like actually practice of the church in the, um, South and Central America has been dropping quite a bit. Uh, and what we see actually is that Protestants in those countries go to church a lot more than Catholics do, and that a lot of Catholics have been becoming Protestants. Well, that tells you something about, well, I mean, maybe synodality doesn't matter. <laughs> Whether you're doing synodality or not, it seems like we've been seeing a lot of declines. So maybe there's a, a different solution that needs to be found here. We've been talking to Brendan Hodge, and you can find the pillar linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Brendan, thank you. Thank you. You bet. And you can find all of our guests linked on a daily basis at sonrisemorningshow.com, which is also where you can find a link to our video live stream if you want to see how Matt's hair is doing this morning or what color coat I wear because I never take off my coat in the studio. SONRISEMORNINGSHOW.COM, also through YouTube and Facebook. Half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. The head of the FBI says while Americans should not be panicking, he is concerned about the threat of a terror attack due to the Israel-Hamas war. FBI Director Christopher Wray told a House subcommittee yesterday that terrorist organizations, including al-Qaeda and ISIS, have called for attacks on the United States and its allies. Wray said the agency is most concerned about domestic extremists. He advised Americans to not panic, but stay alert. Pope Francis once again prayed for the war in the Holy Land, which has now been raging for 41 days. During his general audience yesterday, he asked the faithful to pray for peace every day, wherever there is war. In addition to the war between Israel and Hamas, the Holy Father again appealed for martyred Ukraine, which suffers so much, and for all those suffering in the civil war in Sudan. And he said, let us pray for peace every day. Take some time to pray for peace we desire peace. The Holy Father is beginning to wrap up his general audience catechesis series on apostolic zeal, summarizing it through the lens of his apostolic exhortation, Evangelii Gaudium, or the joy of the gospel. From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano Lubov reports. Jesus is la joya. 
Jesus is the source of our joy and our faithful friend. He is with us on our journey. The Holy Father reminded the faithful that as Christians, we have Christ as our faithful friend who's always at our side, no matter what we face. The Lord, the Pope suggested, is always with us in all we do. Our personal encounter with Christ, Pope Francis highlighted, makes us new and fills us with joy. The question, dear brothers and sisters, is therefore not whether to proclaim him, but how to proclaim him. And this how, he said, is joy. Either we proclaim Jesus with joy or we do not proclaim him, because any other way of proclaiming the Lord is not capable, he noted, of bringing the true reality of Jesus. The Pope recalled a passage from the Gospel according to St. Luke, which tells the story of the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, who were filled with joy after encountering the Lord. One returns to daily life with the impetus of one who has found a treasure, the Holy Father noted, adding they were joyful, these two, because they had found Jesus, and he changed their lives. An encounter with Jesus, he noted, always brings you joy. And if this does not happen to you, it is not a true encounter with the Lord. Pope Francis concluded by offering comforting words for the faithful to take to heart and some homework. Each of us today, he noted, must take a little time and think, you, Jesus, are the source of my joy. Tu, Gesù, sei la fonte della gioia. You are within me. I want to meet you every day. I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov. Abortion will continue to be the preeminent priority when it comes to what Catholics should be thinking about in the voting booth. The Catholic News Agency reports U.S. bishops yesterday debated and then voted on a revised introduction to the document forming consciences for faithful citizenship during their fall General Assembly in Baltimore. The vote to approve it with the language of abortion being preeminent was 225 to 11 with seven abstentions. The Senate passed stopgap funding bill to avoid a government shutdown. The vote was 87 to 11, with just 60 votes needed to pass. It will now head to the desk of President Biden to be signed. It extends government funding through early next year. President Biden says his meetings yesterday with Chinese President Xi Jinping were some of the, quote, most constructive and productive discussions he says the pair has ever had. More from Mark Mayfield. Biden said in a post on X that the two built on the groundwork laid over the past several months of diplomacy and that important progress was made. During a press conference, Biden said the two countries will now resume military-to-military talks as well as restoring cooperation on reducing the amount of fentanyl shipped directly from China. This was the first time in a year that the two leaders have met. Speaking on the continued conflict in Gaza, Biden said he doesn't see an end until there is a two-state solution. I'm Mark Mayfield. The dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith yesterday reaffirmed that Catholics are forbidden from Freemasonry. Vatican News reports this was in response to a question posed by a Filipino bishop who was concerned about a continuous rise of Freemasons in his diocese. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 past the hour. Sacred Heart Radio's Advent Pledge Drive is Wednesday, December 6th, when local listeners will come together to raise $60,000 to keep pro-life radio alive. So please invite everyone you know to listen now, and then we'll talk to you and everyone who told about us on December 6th. Schneller and Aquaman Plumbing, Heating, and Air are proud supporters of Sacred Heart Radio, home of the 100% satisfaction guarantee, because our work is done right the first time. For all your plumbing, heating, and air conditioning work, 
Find us at skpha.com, skpha.com. What attracted me to the Catholic Corps was simply that I was looking to serve God with my whole heart, but not feeling called to the priesthood. Yeah, what do I do? Where do you go? Helping families grow in holiness, grow together, grow in truth is the solution, in my mind, the long-term solution for the world and the family. Visit the Catholic Corps Consecrated Communities for one week this spring and fall. Sign up today at afc.org cc. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this feast of St. Gertrude the Great, Thursday, November the 16th. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Nockerman Plumbing, Heating, and Air online at skpha.com. Getting rather warm today for the middle of November. Right now, it's kind of chilly with temperatures in the mid-30s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, mostly sunny skies today with a high of 70 degrees. Mostly cloud, not as cold tonight with an overnight low of 51. Cloudy with a chance of rain tomorrow and cooler, a high of 62 degrees. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, lots of sunshine today and a high of 68 degrees. Cloudy tonight with an occasional rain shower after midnight and an overnight low of 52. Periods of rain expected tomorrow and a high around 60 degrees. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio, 740 a.m., 910 a.m. Download the app at sacredheartradio.com. The Sunrise Morning Show continues, and Joseph Pierce is, of course, a visiting professor of literature at Ave Maria University, a visiting fellow of Thomas More College of Liberal Arts. He's got stuff with the Augustine Institute, St. Austin Review. You can go to jpierce.co and find all kinds of great things. Joseph, good morning. Good morning, Matt. All right, so if you think American politics is bewildering, and it is, uh, following the back and forth in English history under revolutionary circumstances can be even more bewildering. But with the case of Queen Mary Tudor, if you could, like, what were the, f- the facts, the, the circumstances surrounding how she came to be recognized as queen? Yeah, well, basically, she was quite clearly the legitimate uh, heir to the throne. Nobody uh, seriously disputed that. But there were many people in England that did not want a Catholic monarch returning to the throne after Henry VIII. Uh, had uh, basically broken with with the church. And so there were shenanigans, I suppose you could call it, and there was a a means by getting the the ailing king shortly before his death, the young king Edward VI, to to write a will which which made uh, Lady Jane Grey on very tenuous grounds the heir to the throne. So it's it's what you would probably call in modern terminology an attempt at a a coup which which failed because uh, the vast majority of the people uh, knew that Mary Tudor was the true queen and also wanted her as queen. Well, and not only that, she represented uh, a return to Catholicism for the kingdom, how, how, however briefly. But, I mean, how did Catholic England respond when Mary is crowned? Well, I mean, it, 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 with absolute jubilation. Um, and uh, the, the, we need to remember only three years earlier, that, that basically the whole of England had risen, uh, uh, well, uprising, of course, the whole of England after Edward VI's uh, regime had banned the mass. 
Um, when the mass was banned, on the day after the Sunday when mass was banned, there were uprisings across the length and breadth of the country. The English were a very devout Catholic country at, at, at that time. It was estimated that only about 12% of the population were Protestant, which means 88% were Catholic. So obviously she was a very popular queen, and, and when she rode from the, the house in Suffolk where she was imprisoned, the Framlingham Castle, where she was imprisoned to London, it was it was it was a triumphal march basically with people coming out in the streets. The streets of London being decorated, uh, it was absolute jubilation. The people wanted Mary to be queen because they wanted the restoration of the Catholic faith. So you've got a lot of fascinating things about what this was like, and things that we may not think about. But you know. Henry VIII and the dissolution of the monasteries and people going into hiding and all the things that happened through the course of, of that. Uh, I guess that when Mary was crowned, a bunch of people who had been hiding stuff kind of brought it back out and said, hey, uh, <laughs> we, we were putting this in hiding for safekeeping because we weren't sure what was going to happen. And now they, I guess a lot of them brought things out, uh, paintings and statues and some other stuff uh, that, that had been sort of spared from the purge, as it were. Yeah, so basically, following the dissolution of the monasteries, they, they, because of the, uh, the avaricious king and his cohorts amongst the aristocracy, one of as much of the church's gold and wealth as they get their hands on, that once they finished with the monasteries and the convents, they started with the parish churches and, and, and stripping the altar, stripping the gold, uh, taking anything of value uh, for themselves. So the people sort of hid this stuff away um, uh, uh, and, in some cases, purchased it, um, but basically to save it from being taken by, by, uh, by those who were just basically stealing from the church. And, and they, they, they returned it with, um, to, to basically redecorate, to replenish the church, to, to restore it to the splendor of its pre-dereliction uh, uh, days, of its, of its true Catholicism. So people just, just returned crucifixes, images, paintings of the Blessed Virgin, you name it, so that the churches will once again, if you like, re-Catholicize, if you can use that word. Well, that being said, obviously, over the course of time before this brief Catholic restoration, there would have been a lot of people who had rallied to uh, the Protestant cause in England. So I imagine that she was not met without resistance. Well, the most important thing is, of course, that the, the only way that King Henry VIII could get away with his uh, um, imposition of himself as head of the church was to bribe the, the arist aristocracy. So basically he handed off, parceled out the church's land to these aristocrats who are now living you know, uh, on, the, on the land that belonged to the church. They're now live, turning abbeys into their own stately homes. Uh, Etc. Now these people obviously are, 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 do not want to give this Ill, these ill-gotten gains back, this stolen property back. So they have a vested interest in terms of purely secular terms in, in, in not allowing Mary Tudor to, to restore uh, Catholic property to the Catholic Church. So they form a natural resistance, but it is an elite for the most part. The vast majority of the ordinary people are fully Catholic and in support of the Queen. But, but of course, there is now this powerful aristocracy who are more powerful than ever because of the wealth that they had actually stolen from the Church. It is uh, a fascinating thing to think about, but, you know, one wonders, um, and, and I, I feel like maybe the uh, the, the title of, of Bloody Mary we can probably get into in a future 
uh, segment just because there's so many different aspects to the political pieces of that. But one wonders, uh, you know, if if there had been kind of if there hadn't been so many people who were in that aristocratic place, right, so many wealthy people pushing back, if this thing might not have gone a little bit differently. Oh, very much so. I mean, one example I give in my book is of the Duke of Bedford, who, who uh, he he, he uh, acquired Woburn Abbey, which was a, a big abbey in Bedfordshire, just north of London. And when the Queen, uh, Queen Mary, sought to leave by example by giving back all the land that Henry had stolen, that land which he had then parcelled out to others, but the land still belonged to the to the crown, she handed all of that back. To the, to, to the church and, and re- restored and re-established monasteries and convents, hoping to lead by example. Well, the Duke of Bedford basically said, well, to hell with that, and he took his rosary, which he wore around his belt, and threw it in the fire, saying that his, uh, his own home, uh, the uh, Woburn Abbey, was more valuable to him than anything that the church had to offer. So this, this really, if you like, it, it just giving one example, epitomizes the problem we have. These people had acquired a great deal of wealth and were not willing to give it back. Yeah, it, uh, it comes to a head, and we'll, uh, we'll save that story for next time uh, because, well, let's just say there is some drama and complication involved with it. But in the meantime, Joseph, if our listeners want to connect with you, find some of the various great resources you've got on English history, and even pick up maybe a copy of this book, Faith of Our Fathers, how do they do so? They can do all of the above and keep up with what I'm doing on a, on a daily basis. I posted two new things this morning, for instance, by going to my personal website, jpearce.co, J-P-E-A-R-C-E.co. Lots and lots of great resources there at Joseph's site. He's always got something that he's up to. And, uh, you know, if you want to cuddle up with a good book by a a fire or even just sit on the vent and uh, read something, Joseph has got just such a great set of commentaries on all kinds of the really the best that the Christian literary tradition has to offer. So uh, head on over to Joseph's site. It's linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. We're going to be back with pastoral counselor Kevin Prendergast, plus headlines right after this. It's a quarter till. Support is for MediShare. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that is MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for health care can save many families up to 500 bucks a month, and that is huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The member satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works, too. It's been around for 30 years. Members have shared more than $5 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, really, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with. You can call right now. You'll get a price within two minutes. So see what you can say. This is a very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. Call 844-55-BIBLE. That's 844-55-BIBLE. 844-55-BIBLE. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. 
Hi, this is Mike Aquilino with a few words about St. Irenaeus. It's only recently that Pope Francis has declared him to be a doctor of the church. And this is unusual because he's been dead for many centuries, almost two millennia. But I think he's a man for our time because he's teaching us to think, to have an educated faith, to know the reasons for what we believe and then present those to a skeptical world. On the next More to Life, Marriage Madness. Marital struggles will help you celebrate the relationship God wants for you. That's later today on More to Life. Now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. We continue on this Thursday, November 16th with headlines. Here's Anna Mitchell. Abortion will continue to be the preeminent priority when it comes to what Catholics should think about in the voting booth. That according to the U.S. bishops who voted yesterday on the Forming Consciences for Faithful Citizenship document. The Senate has passed a stopgap funding bill to avoid a government shutdown. And during his general audience yesterday, Pope Francis once again asked the faithful to pray for peace every day. Next newscast coming up at the top of the hour. Anna Mitchell, we're a week away from Thanksgiving. And uh, for those who are listening next hour, you and I were talking about this yesterday. Mm -hmm. Rita Heikenfeld, who is kind of our Thanksgiving go-to helper, picked two of my all-time favorite recipes. Yeah, it's the appetizer Yes, uh, it's the appetizer episode. I don't want to spoil it. But I will say, there's two of my favorites. And in our local hour... Danielle Bean's going to be talking about pies. All right. She is our pie expert here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Everybody's got a specialty. Everybody's got a specialty. Mm-hmm. We're joined now by pastoral counselor Kevin Prendergast. And Kevin, do you have anything that you make during the holiday? Do you have a specialty? Oh, oh yeah. I, I love to make bread and, uh, you know, muffins and that kind of thing. So I'm kind of good at that. And uh, I'm great at chopping vegetables, Matt. There so you that's, go. That's my, yeah, there we go. You're, uh, you're handy with the knife. As it were. <laughs> well, I usually slice myself, too. So, okay. <laughs> That's true. Well, luckily, you know lots of first responders. Uh, if you, I, I do, uh, If yeah. you catch the end of your so, thumb. Uh, right. Kevin Prendergast has been doing all kinds of wonderful things in the world of pastoral counseling as a licensed counselor, uh, working in the classroom as well. And we've been going through grief and different ways to approach it. <laughs> I wonder where you wanted to take the conversation today. Yeah, Matt. So especially with the holidays coming up here, I think this uh, maybe some helpful tips tips for people. We've been talking about maybe some things that we can do to get through grief or task of grief. And we've talked about, you know, one is just accepting the reality that our loved one is gone and then uh, taking time to grieve. Again, that, you know, grief that goes on for a year or two is not abnormal, right? That it, it goes back and forth. It oscillates, swings, there's, there's waves. And today, uh, this the next task would be to adjust to a world without my beloved deceased, right? So there's three things that struck me in there, Matt. One would be this, uh, we move from sadness in the earlier stages. We still have some of that, but we move more into worry and anxiety about the future. So we're starting to look at the future. Second thing would be trying to find meaning. And for those of us who are Catholic Christians, trying to restore our faith after a death, and then coming up with a new identity. So that first one, worry, uh, you know, one thing that hits us right after a death is, uh, you know, whether it's in friendships and a family and a marriage, we usually divide up roles, right? Uh, so like, a, you know, one with friendship would be there, there are certain people 
in my life that have been very close friends. We've gone through a lot together and they know everything. And so I'm very comfortable talking with them. So when they die, which some of my friends have passed away very close, it's like, well, who do I, who do I share this stuff with? I've got nobody. I don't have a confidant. A couple of years ago, my go-to confessor died of a heart attack, right? So it was difficult because, you know, I trusted him and I'd gotten to know him. And in a marriage, you know, the day-to-day reality, usually, you know, somebody is better at doing the cooking, like you were saying, or the housework or the finances or the repairs or has a a certain gift with the kids. Or was the uh, the one person who got them to get out of the house and go do something, right? And now the person who's left has nobody helping them go do social things. That's right. And that that's the danger is that we can withdraw, right? So we can collapse and we can get stuck. And I, I think I sent you a little story. Queen Victoria uh, was married for 20 years. Her husband died when she was 42. And then she dressed in black every day for the rest of her life, the next 40 years. And she didn't really move on with her life, right? So, so when her the beloved Prince Albert died, like her life stopped at that point, right? So this idea of uh, where we worry and we can, that's where our faith comes in, of asking for some courage to deal with these, maybe I need to acquire some new skills. I never took care of the finances in the family because my husband was a CPA, right? So how do I, I step forward and do that or learn some other skills to move forward? I adapt new roles and I develop new ways to get support. So that's challenging, but God will give us the faith for that. The other part about faith, Matt, and I would really recommend, again, a lot of our readers, our listeners already read C.S. Lewis's very poignant and honest book about the death of his wife after they had been married for four years. Uh, He he married late and she got cancer. And uh, so so he tells the story and a grief observed. And it's a wonderful story. And he gets at this. So C.S. Lewis was a convert to Christianity very deep faith, wrote a lot uh, in Christian spirituality and and prayer, uh, but he questioned God. And I think it's a wonderful book. It kind of reminds me very much of the book of Job, where Job's friends um, get upset with him because Job gets angry at God and curses God, right? And and there uh, C.S. Lewis is, is questioning, like, why have you abandoned me? So I think part of this next stage here of adapting to a world without my beloved deceased person is that I have to find a new faith. I have to get a deeper relationship with the Lord. And I might question and I might really be down in the dark places, but that's okay. That's, you know, part of what our faith tells us is that God will get us through that. And the last thing that would be, uh, I have to start putting some energy into what am I going to do with the rest of my life? Right. So I mourn my friend. I always remember my friend. I think of the good times, the bad times that we had together. I, I'm grateful for what we shared. But I, one question I ask my clients a lot when they've had a significant loss is if your son was sitting here, if your wife was sitting here, if your mother was sitting here, what would she tell you? What advice would she give you? And inevitably, 100% of the time, you know, when somebody is really in a bad place, what they will respond, they'll they'll stop for a second. They'll think, well, she would tell me to get on with my life. She'd tell me not to withdraw, to go out into the world, that you're going to be okay. Have your faith, trust in God, right? So we know what those people that are close to us would say. And that's, I think, a very helpful kind of prayer meditation is, you know, what would what's what's Jesus asking me to do right now with the rest of my life? What's my new identity going to be, be like? And my identity is not all defined by the loss. 
So whether that's a traumatic loss or just a, a long, you know, long suffering long death coming. that somebody you goes know, through. Yeah. As you're, as you're saying this, it, it reminds me too, uh, to even flip that question around. If I were the mm-hmm. one who had yeah. passed on, how would I want, you know, the people in my life to go on? I would not want them to like, no, you know, just never touch any of my things, right? Never like yeah. move on. Like I would, I would want people to go and and live, you know, and have a yeah, have a you know a fulfilling life. Yeah, but sometimes, like in a marriage, we can feel like, especially if our if we're younger and and our spouse dies, like how can I ever recommit to anybody else? And and of course, at the beginning, I can't give the person's belongings away. I can't change the way the house is set up. And I'm certainly not going to date again. Well, that's part of that early stage, the first year or two, that makes sense. Five years on, it doesn't make sense anymore, and it's destructive, so I have to engage. And and so I would want my spouse to go on. I don't want my spouse to pull the curtains and, you know, sit sit in the house and, and dress in black for the rest of her life. Uh, so why, why would I do that, uh, you know, if she passed away first? Yeah, and uh, you, you've got some other... Um great stuff to say uh, about all this. I know as we get closer to uh, into Advent and towards Christmas and beyond, and there's going to be more conversations to be had about these kinds of things. We appreciate you, Kevin Prendergast. We've got you linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Have a wonderful day. To you too, Matt. Have a good Thanksgiving. Bye-bye. And we're praying for all of you who are experiencing grief and loss, whether you experienced it very recently or whether you've experienced it in the past year or two, and these times of year really tend to bring it back up. May the souls of the faithful departed through the mercy of God rest in peace. We're back with another full hour coming up after the break. It's 3 Till. I'm Father Rob Jack. Join me this afternoon for Driving Home the Faith when Dr. Scott Heffelfinger will share the latest Advent video from the Augustan Institute. Dr. Jennifer Roback Morris will talk about resources for pregnancy centers. I will reflect on the life of St. Gertrude the Great, plus frequent traffic and weather. That's this afternoon beginning at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. You're on the road to Christ the King. Support for Sacred Art Radio is from Rua Wood Psychological Services, integrating psychological science and the truths of our Catholic faith with offices in Dayton and Cincinnati. More information at 513-407-8878 or rwpsych.org. Pregnancy Center West is committed to protecting the unborn by encouraging women to see and choose the beauty of life while offering practical assistance for them and their families. Donate securely online at supportpcw.org. That's supportpcw.org. Support comes from On a Mission to Love. For books, handcrafted gifts for baptism, communion, confirmation, wedding, birthdays, and more. All deeply based in the rosary and devotion to our Holy Mother. Onamissiontolove.com. That's onamissiontolove.com. Support is from Solidarity Health Share. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything? even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. 
Call to see how much you can save. 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare. 844-334-3245. For more than 150 years, the Komboni missionaries have served the poorest and most forgotten people. With our founder, St. Daniel Combonius, and inspiration, we work for the full development of the human person through evangelization, education, and advocacy. Your donations make a huge impact, and 95% are used to fund our many projects. Find out more at kombonimissionaries.org. That is kombonimissionaries.org. This is Father John Paul Walker, pastor of St. Gertrude in Madeira. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. Thursday the 16th of, of November and since the bishops have worked on a recommendation of St. John Henry Newman to be thought of as a doctor of the church, let's pray a prayer of his in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I sacrifice to thee, O Lord, this cherished wish, this lust, this weakness, this scheme, this opinion. Make me what thou wouldst have me. I bargain for nothing. I make no terms. I seek for no previous information whither thou art taking me. I will be what thou wilt make me, and all that thou wilt make me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. St. John Henry Newman, pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. We are glad that you are with us here on a Thursday morning. I'm Matt Swain. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. We got uh, a video feed that Travis has got up and running. He has uh, got it linked if you want to go check it out in the show notes at sunrisemorningshow.com. Up this hour, Dr. John Bergsma will continue our story, uh, our story, our series on the love story between God and his people. Uh, it's detailed in great length in his book, uh, Love Basics for Catholics. Rita Heikenfeld has some Thanksgiving recipes for you, uh, some really good appetizers this week. Gary Machuda will look at how we can trust the witness of the people who came in the generation after the apostles. And then Courtney Brown is continuing the series he's been doing with us on uh, theology of the body for elementary schoolers. So stay with us if you can. Right now it is two minutes past News a service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. The head of the FBI says while Americans should not be panicking, he is concerned about the threat of a terror attack due to the Hamas-Israel war. FBI Director Christopher Ray told a House subcommittee yesterday that terrorist organizations, including al-Qaeda and the Islamic State, have called for attacks on the U.S. and its allies. Ray said the agency is most concerned about domestic extremists and advised Americans to not panic, but to stay alert. 
During his general audience yesterday, Pope Francis asked the faithful to pray daily for peace. From Vatican Radio, Thaddeus Jones reports. At the conclusion of his Wednesday general audience, Pope Francis turned his thoughts to the many nations suffering the horrors of war, and he asked for prayers for peace every day, wherever there is war. In particular, on Wednesday, the Pope asked for prayers for tormented Ukraine, which is suffering so much. Since the invasion of Ukraine in February 2022, over 9,600 civilians have been killed and over 17,500 injured. Pope Francis also asked for prayers for the Holy Land in Palestine and Israel. On the 7th of October, over 1,400 Israelis were killed in attacks perpetrated by Hamas. And since then, Israeli airstrikes in retaliation on the Gaza Strip have killed over 11,000 people, and some 2,500 are missing under the rubble, according to the local health ministry in Gaza. Finally, the Pope turned his thoughts to Sudan, where an estimated 9,000 people have been killed and another 5.6 million forced to flee their homes due to a devastating war between two rival military factions that erupted back in April. That civil war has been described as a humanitarian catastrophe with visible signs of ethnic cleansing, according to the UK's Minister for Africa. The Pope said, let us remember wherever there is war, and there are so many in the world. He said, let us pray for peace every day. Take some time to pray for peace in our world as we desire peace. Abortion will continue to be the preeminent priority when it comes to what Catholics should be thinking about in the voting booth. The Catholic News Agency reports the U.S. bishops yesterday debated and then voted on a revised introduction to the document forming consciences for faithful citizenship during their fall General Assembly in Baltimore. The vote to approve it with the new language of abortion being preeminent was 225 to 11 with seven abstentions. It says, quote, the threat of abortion remains our preeminent priority because it directly attacks our most vulnerable and voiceless brothers and sisters and destroys more than a million lives per year in our country alone, end quote. President Biden says his meetings yesterday with Chinese President Xi Jinping were some of what he called the most constructive and productive discussions the two have had. Biden said in a post that the two built on groundwork laid over the past several months of diplomacy and that important progress was made. During a press conference later in the day, Biden said the two countries will now resume military-to-military talks, as well as restoring cooperation on reducing the amount of fentanyl shipped directly from China. The Senate has passed a stopgap bill to fund the government and avoid a government shutdown. Mark Mayfield reports. The vote was 87 to 11 with just 60 votes needed to pass. It now heads to the desk of President Biden to be signed. Both Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and Senate Republican Leader Mitch McConnell say they support the bill that extends government funding through early next year. House Speaker Mike Johnson passed the measure with mostly Democratic votes after dozens of Republicans opposed the plan due to a lack of spending cuts. I'm Mark Mayfield. And a new poll is suggesting more than half of all American voters want other candidates to join the 2024 presidential race. More than a dozen candidates have already joined the race to the White House, but a new Quinnipiac poll says 52% of voters would like more options, including 72% of independents and 58% of Democrats. 
Today is Thursday, November the 16th. It is the feast of St. Gertrude the Great. Pray for us. Dr. John Berksma joins us next. It's 7 past. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare. 844-334-3245. minutes past the hour you're listening to the sunrise morning show on the ewtn global catholic radio network so happy to have you along with us here on a thursday morning you can connect with us through sonrisemorningshow.com where you can uh, check out the video feed that we now do on a daily basis here on the sunrise morning show matt has bedhead today If that doesn't wake you up and get you over to the video feed, I don't know what will. I do not have bedhead. I promise. I put my hair in a ponytail. You would never know. Anyway. Dr. John Bergsma joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. We've been going through his book, Love Basics for Catholics. Good morning, Doc. Good morning, Anna. So we are continuing to unpack the marital imagery that is amazingly found in the crucifixion jesus the bridegroom laying his life down for his bride the church and so last time we talked about the the final moments of his death with him saying in most translations it is finished but you were telling us how the Douay reams version has a better translation when jesus says it is consummated Then they pierce his side, blood and water flow out, which take us back to the wedding at Cana. And then now he has been taken down from the cross. We have a dead body, Dr. Bergsma. It needs to be buried. What could possibly be romantic about that? Well, one of the first things we see is Nicodemus shows up. And, of course, we've seen Nicodemus before. He's occurred. He has appeared twice in the gospel, most notably back in chapter 3, where he had a discussion with Jesus about how to be born again. But um, here, Nicodemus shows up, and he's got a 100 pounds of myrrh and aloes. Mm-hmm. Now, Anna, myrrh and aloes were expensive perfumes, like the kind of stuff that you buy at the airport in the duty-free shop you know, by Christian Dior or mm-hmm. Dolce & Gabbana and all this stuff. And so super expensive, right? You know, stuff that's going to cost you 100 bucks for like a six-ounce bottle. And he, you know, 100 ounces of myrrh and aloes, Anna, would have been generous. And he comes with 
100 pounds. You know, that's like Chanel number no. 5 in 10 five-gallon kegs, you know. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's just incredible. And all of that is uh, anointed over his body. And the, the, the point, uh, Anna, is myrrh and aloes only occur in the Bible in romantic contexts. Back in Song of Songs, Psalm 45, which is the royal wedding psalm, and in a romantic scene in Proverbs 7. Yeah, so, I thought I actually, can I read all of these passages? And then maybe yeah, you can unpack it a little bit further, um, um, how these are marital. So here we go. Psalm 45, verse 7 says, uh, Therefore God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your fellows, your robes, and all fragrant with myrrh and aloes and cassia from ivory palaces, stringed instruments make you glad. It goes on from there. Then uh, let's see here. Proverbs seven seventeen. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love till morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. And then... Song of Songs, chapter 4, verse 14. Let me find it here. Says, well, we'll start in 13. Says, your shoots are an orchard of pomegranates with all choicest fruits, henna with nard, nard and saffron, calamus and cinnamon, with all trees of frankincense, myrrh and aloes, with all chief spices. Wow. These are things that you just kind of overlook if you're if you're just sort of reading through these passages. It's really amazing that that it comes out like this in the in the crucifixion story. It is, you know, and folks just read that and I think, oh well, you know, myrrh was an embalming oil, and you know, aloes were whatever, and uh, and we pass right by. But the Gospel of John is just an amazing writing where the apostle is always aware of kind of the secondary meaning and deeper meaning of of his words and descriptions and how mm-hmm. Jesus is fulfilling all of those previous scriptures. And as you can see from reading them, um, Anna, you know, they're, they're, they're like highly romantic passages, two mm-hmm. about a royal wedding and, and another about, you know, very kind of erotic scene in, in Proverbs 7. So this is really, again, pointing to Jesus as, you know, our great bridegroom, the one who loves us so much, and here he is, you know, coming to the very act of of giving his body, donating his body uh, to his bride. Now let's move into the tomb here. How does this take us all the way back to the book of Genesis? Yes, it's quite amazing. Um, we read that our Lord was placed in the tomb, and then... Um, St. John makes the remark, it was a tomb in which uh, no one had ever been laid. And so Jesus is being laid, so to speak, in the virgin womb of Mother Earth. And it's not just that womb and tomb rhyme in English, that would be silly, but there's more than six passages of the Old Testament, Anna, that um, correlate the womb with the grave. Things like Job, who famously says, Naked I came forth from my from my mother's womb. Naked I shall return. But of course, he's not going to return to his mother's womb. He's going to be buried. But the grave was mystically correlated with the womb of the mother, like we see in 
Psalm 139, which says, My frame was not hidden from you when I was knit together in my mother's womb, when I was formed in the depths of the earth. Well, obviously the mother's womb isn't literally the depths of the earth, but that's the correlation that you find consistently through the Old Testament. And there's only one other man in the Bible who, whose body, so to speak, comes forth or is born from the womb of Mother Earth, and that's Adam, whose father was God and whose mother was the soil, as we see in Genesis 2. And so Jesus, uh, returning to the soil and then being, as it were, born on, on Easter morning from that, is the new Adam. And of course, Adam was the original bridegroom who was married to Eve in the Garden of Eden shortly after his creation. And isn't the Holy Sepulchre, the site of the Holy Sepulchre, isn't there a, a spot where you, it says something like Adam's skull? Yes, absolutely. If you visit the Holy Sepulchre under Mount Calvary, uh, there is a, a hollowed out place uh, where is the traditional site of veneration of the grave of Adam. And so, yes, it's a, it's a beautiful devotion that's pointing to the truth that uh, in Christ uh, we have a new Adam who undoes the sin of our first father. It's amazing. It's just amazing, all of this. And uh, you can read more about it in Love Basics for Catholics from Ave Maria Press. You can find it linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Dr. Bergsma, thank you. Absolutely. Talk to you next time. I look forward to it. All right, it's 16 past now on the Sunrise Morning Show. We're back with headlines right after this. Lord, Teach Me to Pray, the Ignatian Prayer Series, can now train you and others electronically to become facilitators and bring the Ignatian way of prayer to your parish. Come to know and love Jesus Christ like never before and help others do the same. Don't pass up the opportunity to join this work of the new evangelization. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com and click on Digital Training. That's LordTeachMeToPray.com and click on Digital Training. For more than 150 years, the Comboni missionaries have traveled to nearly every corner of the world. Founded by St. Daniel Comboni, we are an international Catholic organization dedicated to ministering the world's poorest and most abandoned people. Your donations make a huge impact, and 95% are used to fund our many projects. Find out more at ComboniMissionaries.org. That is ComboniMissionaries.org. We know a lot of you love anything pumpkin-flavored, and others, well, not so much. But the Mystic Monks of Wyoming are taking care of both of you with their coffee. That's right. Their seasonal favorite pumpkin spice blend is available, along with other normal flavors. And when you purchase them after clicking the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. The most original and exclusive Catholic content is on EWTN Radio. You know, we talk story with each of our very unique guests for the whole hour so that you can go deep with us as you yourself pursue your own story of heroic virtue and as you pursue intimacy with God. The Bear Wozniak Adventure, Saturday night, 6 Eastern on EWTN Radio. 
18 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna with headlines. Abortion will continue to be upheld as the preeminent priority when it comes to what Catholics should be thinking about in the voting booth. U.S. bishops voting on the forming consciences for faithful citizenship document yesterday. During his general audience yesterday, Pope Francis asked the faithful to pray daily for peace around the world. And the Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith has reaffirmed that Catholics are forbidden from Freemasonry. I mean, I could have told you that. But, I know, right? Well, you know, apparently a lot of Catholics don't there's some questions. know that. It's just yeah. a charitable organization, right? Well, they just, like, yes raise money no. for kids, right? There are a lot of things that are charitable organizations that... I don't know that I am down with their whole program, if you know right. what I'm saying. Right. So, there you go. Um, the only Mason I wonder thing if people I'm like are our... Mason jars when I go to pickle. <laughs> no, I don't I know if they have a connection say, maybe, to Masonry or not. Maybe like Freemasonry, you know, had a resurgence in membership after, um, you know, Nicolas Cage and oh, National uh, Treasure. Which, by the way. So how does that movie begin? There's a flashback to this Freemasonic thing mm-hmm. where one of the last surviving signers of the Declaration of Independence delivers this Masonic whatever. We're going to steal the Declaration of Independence. But you know who does it? It's uh, the Catholic, right? The Catholic. Yeah. The one Catholic who signed the, t- the one the one person who would not have been allowed to be a Freemason. Yeah. And they opened the scene. They could, you could have opened the scene. Like literally, like Anyone. all the rest of them were Masons. But not all the rest of them. A great many of them were Masons. A great many of them. If the Catholic was, he wasn't supposed to be. And I don't think he was. I can't imagine, so. Put the bunny back in the box. It's such a good movie. (laughs) 21 minutes back past the hour. Attention, Sacred Heart Radio volunteers. Wednesday, December 6th is our Advent Pledge Drive. And we need volunteers to answer phones from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. that day. If you can help, even for an hour, call 513-731-7740. Or visit sacredheartradio.com and click volunteer. We need your help to raise $60,000 on Wednesday, December 6th. If you can answer phones anytime that day, please visit sacredheartradio.com and click volunteer. You rely on your car, so rely on the experts at Fort Mitchell Garage, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. They can do it all from brakes, tires, and heating and cooling to towing and collision repair and more. Fort Mitchell Garage on Dixie Highway and Park Hills. On the web at fortmitchellgarage.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Delhi and Harrison Pet Centers with everything your pet needs from guppies to puppies. Offering curbside pickup in-store and online shopping at DelhiPetCenter.com. That's DelhiPetCenter.com. All are precious in God's sight, no matter our age, race, ability, or residence. Yet many lives are threatened, especially in the womb. Cincinnati Right to Life works to protect the good gift of life at every age and every stage. For more information, go to CincinnatiRightToLife.org. Catholic Engaged Encounter Weekends are a marriage preparation program led by married couples and a priest or deacon. What makes this marriage prep program unique is you will have two days as a couple to delve into important subjects that will affect your relationship together for the rest of your lives. More time for prayer and reconciliation and closing the weekend with Mass. More information is at Cincinnati-Covington.EngagedEncounter.com. That's Cincinnati-Covington.EngagedEncounter.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from St. Michael's Rosaries and Religious Articles. 
proudly partnering with Dayton Right to Life and the Stork's Nest Baby Pantry to support babies and families in need. More information online at stmichaelscustomrosaries.com. It is time for Bible Foods with Rita Heikenfeld, and what a great time of year to be able to have a friend like Rita that you have great access to as we think about what we're going to be making, who we're going to be eating with, uh, what kind of setup we want to have so that everybody's able to get along and get together and really enjoy some solid fellowship. Rita, good morning. Well, good morning, and boy, it's Time's almost there. Thanksgiving's a week away. So I know it. I know it. I'm excited. It's one of it's one of my favorite times of year for so many reasons. Uh, but you wanted to highlight a few different things about mm-hmm. hospitality and preparation, and point to little uh, passages from the scripture to sort of connect those things that we're going to be doing as we prepare with some ways that people prepared in the Bible. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and one of my oh gosh, there's several favorites of mine. But, um, you know, of course, when we entertain guests, or even if we're just um, having family, we always wash our hands before we eat. But um, in Bible times, and I wanted you um, to talk about this a little bit, because your expertise is pretty cool on this subject. Uh, Guests wouldn't wash their hands just in static water. They would have somebody pour water over their hands in a running stream. And can you tell a little bit why that was such a a wonderful tradition? Well, there are a few different things to highlight about that. One is because you don't have a sink, (laughs) right? So it's kind of like someone acting as a faucet. But also Mm -hmm. uh, there's the great uh, story of um, Elisha pouring water on Elijah's hands, uh, bearing in mind that Elijah was Elisha's superior. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of like, you know, the other thing it fast forwards me to is Jesus washing the apostles' feet, right, as a sign of service. But I can't help but think when I uh, see that image, um, and Elisha was later on referred to as the guy who poured water over Elijah's hands, Um, but I can't help but think about my son who's an altar server, and uh, there's that part of the Mass where as part of the preparation, he always pours water over Father's hands, (laughs) you know, uh, before he continues with the celebration of the Mass. So yeah, it's a really rich image. Yeah, and as you said, um, you know, every during Mass, it, it just brings us back to that point, and, and I love that. And my one of my other favorites is in Hebrews, Hebrews, it says, Do not be willing to forget hospitality, for by it certain persons without realizing it have received angels as guests. And we have talked about that before. And that really hits home here, because you never know in, in the crowd who you're entertaining, um, the gifts they bring and the blessings they bring as well, don't you think? I uh, I believe it. And, you know, sometimes the person that you might least expect is going to be the person you have an amazing conversation with uh, this year, somebody who you might not think that you have a ton in common with, and then you finally get sat next to them at the table and or put next to them in the checks mix in the living room. <laughs> you know, yep. it is a, is a wonderful thing. Uh, now, in Luke 7, uh, the host of the banquet greets guests with a holy kiss. Uh, you know, of course, we talked about foot washing. That's mm-hmm. definitely something that uh, shows up in the Bible. But what about uh, – I, I mean, I, I really enjoy your perspective, not just because you give us great recipes, because I, you also remind us, like, when we have these gatherings, uh, it's so easy to get caught up in the prep and the cleanup. But, I, I mean – how would you encourage people to not lose sight of what we're really doing when we get together like this? Well, the first thing I always think, especially for myself, is, is try to be present. Um, 
when you're hosting a, a gathering, it, what it means for people to eat together, it's, uh, as I always say, it's not just about the food, but who sits on the chairs. You bond over meals. And, and when you eat with somebody, you know this, Matt, it says you're friends and that you share a common bond through food and, and um, conversation. So, and, and then when you have Thanksgiving, I just think it, when you have family and friends over, it just multiplies the enjoyment, just of the simple enjoyment of eating. And I love, too, that I reminded uh, myself, too, Jesus loved eating with people, including sinners and tax collectors. So um, just some tips for your Thanksgiving dinner. First of all, if you're a novice, just stick to the essentials. Don't be trying a bunch of new stuff. Been there, done that. Just like turkey, dressing, a simple cranberry sauce, potatoes, and, of course, lots of gravy, and maybe a side vegetable, some green beans, a green bean casserole, and that's it. Um, be present for your guests and try not to, to kill yourself in the process. You'll be overwhelmed, and you won't be a guest at your own party. Well, and it is helpful, especially if you're not used to cooking on that scale or mm-hmm. some of these things like a turkey. They take some time. Uh, so appetizers are very important. And you've pulled out two of my all-time favorite recipes that you and I have discussed this time of year. I wonder if you could run through them for our listeners. Oh, sure. Mine is so easy. It was from my daughter, uh, daughter-in-law, Jessie. Sounds weird. It's not the prettiest kid on the block, but so delicious. It's baked Swiss and cranberry dip. And all you do, Matt, is you mix together some whipped cream cheese, some apricot preserves, some shredded Swiss cheese and dried cranberries, Stir it all up, put it in a shallow casserole and bake it in the oven, um, and we serve it with Triscuits. It's not too sweet. It's not too savory. It's just the right amount, you know, to stave off the hunger. And then yours, which I am doing this year, the pumpkin cheese fondue, that is so delicious. And that's sort of gourmet, but you know what? It's easily done. What you do is you've got a pumpkin hollowed out, and then you've got some toasted baguette uh, slices, and then you make this wonderful custard, creamy custard um, that's got cream and, and chicken broth and cheese in it, some Gruyere, like a nice Swiss and some Emmental. And you layer that um, the baguette slices and the custard together in that pumpkin and bake it. Oh, my gosh, it puffs up. People look at it, and they're just, they just want to dive right into it. So we have yep. two, one a little, a very easy one that takes a little more time, but worth it. So that's yep. uh, my... That uh, pumpkin fondue, the best part is, so you got your broth and your cream and your cheese mm-hmm. and your baguette all layered up. But when you, like, scoop it out, you scrape a little of that pumpkin off the inside and get some of that in there, too. I know. It's, it's just delicious. It's one it's one stuff. that I could make a meal out of. And it looks cool on a table, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Rita Heikenfeld, we've got your recipes. They are in the show notes at sunrisemorningshow.com. Thank you so much. Have a happy Thanksgiving. I will, and I hope that all of our listeners and readers do the same, Matt. It is half past the hour. Here's Anna with news. Good morning. The FBI, the head of the FBI, says while Americans should not be panicking, he is concerned about the threat of a terror attack due to the Israel-Hamas war. FBI Director Christopher Wray was speaking to a House subcommittee yesterday. He said terrorist organizations, including al-Qaeda and ISIS, have called for attacks on the U.S. and its allies. He said the agency is most concerned about domestic extremists and advised Americans not to panic, but to stay alert. Pope Francis has once again prayed for the war in the Holy Land, which 
now has been raging for 41 days. He asked the faithful to pray for peace every day, wherever there is war. In addition to the war between Israel and Gaza, the Holy Father specifically mentioned martyred Ukraine, which suffers so much, and for all those suffering in the civil war in Sudan. He said, let us pray for peace every day. Take some time to pray for peace. We desire peace. Pope Francis is beginning to wrap up his catechesis series on apostolic zeal, now summarizing it through the lens of his apostolic exhortation, Evangelii Gaudium, or the joy of the gospel. From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Lubach reports. Jesus is the source of our joy and our faithful friend. He is with us on our journey. The Holy Father reminded the faithful that as Christians, we have Christ as our faithful friend who's always at our side, no matter what we face. The Lord, the Pope suggested, is always with us in all we do. Our personal encounter with Christ, Pope Francis highlighted, makes us new and fills us with joy. The question, dear brothers and sisters, is therefore not whether to proclaim him, but how to proclaim him. And this how, he said, is joy. Either we proclaim Jesus with joy or we do not proclaim him, because any other way of proclaiming the Lord is not capable, he noted, of bringing the true reality of Jesus. The Pope recalled a passage from the Gospel according to St. Luke, which tells the story of the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, who were filled with joy after encountering the Lord. One returns to daily life with the impetus of one who has found a treasure, the Holy Father noted, adding they were joyful, these two, because they had found Jesus, and he changed their lives. An encounter with Jesus, he noted, always brings you joy, and if this does not happen to you, it is not a true encounter with the Lord. Pope Francis concluded by offering comforting words for the faithful to take to heart and some homework. Each of us today, he noted, must take a little time and think, you, Jesus, are the source of my joy. Tu, Jesus, la fonte della gioia. You are within me. I want to meet you every day. I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov. Abortion will continue to be upheld as the preeminent priority when it comes to what Catholics should be thinking about in the voting booth. The Catholic News Agency reports the U.S. bishops yesterday debated and then voted on a revised introduction to the document forming consciences for faithful citizenship during their fall General Assembly. The vote to approve it with the language of abortion being preeminent was 225 to 11 with seven abstentions. It says, quote, the threat of abortion remains our preeminent priority because it directly attacks our most vulnerable and voiceless brothers and sisters and destroys more than a million lives per year in our country alone, end quote. In Washington, the Senate has passed a stopgap bill to fund the government and avoid a shutdown. The vote was 87 to 11 with just 60 votes needed to pass. It will now head to the desk of President Biden to be signed. It will extend government funding through early next year. President Biden Biden says his meetings yesterday with Chinese President Xi Jinping were some of what he called the most constructive and productive discussions the two have had. More from Mark Mayfield. Biden said in a post on X that the two built on the groundwork laid over the past several months of diplomacy and that important progress was made. During a press conference, Biden said the two countries will now resume military-to-military talks, as well as restoring cooperation on reducing the amount of fentanyl shipped directly from China. This was the first time in a year that the two leaders have met. Speaking on the continued conflict in Gaza, Biden said he doesn't see an end until there is a two-state solution. 
I'm Mark Mayfield. And the dicastery for the doctrine of the faith yesterday issued answers to questions from a bishop reaffirming that Catholics are forbidden from Freemasonry. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 past the hour. The show notes is where you'll get the links and resources you heard about on the Sunrise Morning Show and Driving Home the Faith and for the podcast to find and replay an interview. To check out the show notes every day, visit the new sacredheartradio.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air. During the hottest of weather, Schneller Knockelman will keep you cool with air conditioning repair, installation, and maintenance. Schneller Knockelman. Find us at skpha.com, skpha.com. A wedding is a day. A marriage is a lifetime. Catholic Engaged Encounter Weekends are a marriage preparation program led by married couples and a priest or deacon. This is time for a couple to learn about each other and their upcoming marriage. Based on communication, intimacy, and the family they grew up in. Find out more at cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com. That's Cincinnati-Covington.EngagedEncounter.com. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this feast of St. Gertrude the Great, Thursday, November the 16th. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Knockemann Plumbing, Heating, and Air online at skpha.com. Getting rather warm today for the middle of November. Right now, it's kind of chilly with temperatures in the mid-30s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, mostly sunny skies today with a high of 70 degrees. Mostly cloud, not as cold tonight with an overnight low of 51. Cloudy with a chance of rain tomorrow and cooler, a high of 62 degrees. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, lots of sunshine today and a high of 68 degrees. Cloudy tonight with an occasional rain shower after midnight and an overnight low of 52 periods of rain expected tomorrow and a high around 60 degrees this is sacred heart catholic radio 740 a.m 9 10 a.m download the app at sacredheartradio.com the sunrise morning show continues we're a week out from thanksgiving i like to know what some of our regular guests do like if they have a job in the house gary machuda joining us now from hands-on apologetics gary good morning how are you morning matt what job do they have you on at thanksgiving uh, i'm in charge of eating the turkey there you go there you go i do a good job at it too i thought you were going to say you're in charge of staying out of the way <laughs> yeah, actually, that is my official charge. That and uh, consuming turkey, um, those are the biggies. Well, that's a very difficult responsibility, but I'm sure you're you're up to the task. You're up to the task. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, I'm pretty tall, so if they need something off the, uh, you know, those dishes that are stored away for special occasions, there you go. I'm the guy. Good yeah. stuff. Well, we've been going through your book, The Gospel Truth, and looking at the reliability of the gospel accounts and the reliability of, uh, really, as we're talking about today, the historic teaching of the church. We talked a little bit about how uh, many checks and balances there would have been during the lifetime of the apostles to make sure that what they were teaching came out the way that Jesus wanted it to. Uh, What kind of verification um, do we need to do when it comes to that next generation, the ones who were taught directly by the apostles? Yeah, um, well, basically we're using a principle of multiple attestations all pointing to the same direction. 
right? Because if you want to get a story straight, you might ask your kids, okay, what happened? If they all say the same story, either they colluded or, or they actually have a source, you know, a common source of most likely what actually did happen. Uh, of course, you know, in the family you can clue, but if you ask, like, independent sources and you have five or six people basically saying the same thing, then you're pretty sure that they all have a single source of unity because things don't fall into order. They fall into chaos, right? And so when you see uh, correlations like that, you figure, okay, they got a common source. Well, we could use that same methodology in our mental experiment of, okay, well, let's say we live, you know, a generation after the apostles, the apostles that died, and we're in the church where it's uh, somebody who is a bishop that was appointed there by an apostle, how do we know what they say actually corresponds to what actually happened? Well, we could use that methodology to, you know, to do all sorts of lines of inquiry to find out whether or not uh, this is true. Well, I think about the idea that happens in detective work, but also this happens in the case of uh, you know, Susanna being, you know, accused of things by two elders. And what do they do? You split them up and you put them in different rooms and you see if they, if they tell the same story. Well, you don't have to right. do that with the early church because the church is already split up into places like Antioch and Ephesus and Corinth and all these other places, Rome. So all you got to do instead of splitting these things up, you just go to these different towns, right? I mean, that's actually what Irenaeus recommends. Just go and see, like, where where these churches are that these guys founded and see if they're still doing what the apostles said that they should be doing. Yeah, and that's actually even stronger than today because, remember, they didn't have the Internet or telecommunications. They didn't even have, like, modern mail. It took months for letters to be traveled from one place to another. So the fact that Christianity spreads uh, actually makes it a lot easier to verify information just simply by checking what different locations taught and whether it goes back to the apostles. Well, I'm just thinking about the Ephesians, uh, right? So mm -hmm. Paul spends years with the Ephesians and, you know, is weeping and, you know, heartbroken when he has to leave them, spent all kinds of time with them. We get one short letter from Paul to the Ephesians. Even if all you've got is that letter, you... You can't assume that, like, once Paul dies, everybody who was there and stayed up all night crying and talking with him suddenly forgets everything he ever said, right? Like, <laughs> that generation that comes after him. Some people were, like, kids. They heard Paul teach as kids. Surely those people who went on to live longer lives and raise families would have retained a little bit of that. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, so if you're in there, you could check with the congregation people who actually knew the apostles or, you know, um, uh, disciples of the apostles, ask them, did they teach the same thing that, you're, that you heard today? And they could tell you why. And also, you know, not only that, but the, the order of worship as well. You know, certain prayers are loaded with content of doctrine, songs that are sung, even maybe even architecture in some ways, uh, you know, can point to or manifest, you know, what was preached at the very beginning. And then, uh, like we mentioned last time we spoke, you don't even have to just stay at the church in Ephesus. You can go to all the other churches in the area or even further away and, and do the same kind of inquiry there. 
And again, if they all match or, you know, they both, all of them point in the same direction, then you have pretty high confidence that it must have came from the same, the same earlier source, which has to be Jesus and the apostles. So here's where it gets really interesting to me, Gary, is it's one thing for us to say that the church had this sort of solid teaching from the beginning that was handed on by Christ. And, you know, some people might say, oh, it was all fabricated by people in a group and, you know, they suppressed all the other bad ideas, you know, and this one won out because, you know, history is written by the winners and so on, so on and so forth. Except the problem is, is that you don't even have to look around the pages of the early church uh, after the apostles. You can look at the letters of St. Paul and realize that there were a whole bunch of people who were clearly getting this wrong and in need of correction. So it's not like the church is trying to hide that there were people who didn't get this, right? The church is very clear that there were some people who did a bad, like the Corinthians and Galatians, they had some growing pains. But at the end of the day, they were still under the authority of these apostles who were guiding them back on the rails. Right. Yeah, and also... Remember, the Orthodox Christians wrote against those that were heretical, and so we know what the heretical groups are through the writings. In fact, Irenaeus of Leon, like you just mentioned, uh, his information about the Gnostics uh, came, you know, the only way we knew about the Gnostics was largely through letters like his. And then, lo and behold, later on, when we actually discovered the Gnostic text, it fits really well with you know, what Irenaeus argued. And that makes perfect sense because if you're going to argue against somebody, you don't want to straw man their position. You want to get it accurate so you can knock it down, right? So, I mean, in a way, if they're, you know, false teachings and stuff like that are preserved through the Orthodox teachings as well. So it's there's no conspiracy theory, right? There's There's no, like, hidden people who lost out and are forgotten from history. Well, I think that for um, myself as an evangelical, and I still see this with a lot of you know my evangelical brothers and sisters who want to retain kind of like this early Christian vibe, uh, but you know there's an impression among many of them that oh well, you know let's just look at the Book of Acts. I'm sure there's some stuff that comes a- after it, but you know it's probably lost to history, and we can't really know what that you know what it was like outside of the Book of Acts, and we can only trust the Bible anyway. It turns out we actually do have lots of trustworthy primary sources. <laughs> In that generation, uh, you mentioned Ignatius of Antioch. Uh, who else would be a good one to read from that generation to get a picture? Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, you know, Ignatius of Antioch, you have Polycarp, who was a friend of Ignatius. He was also a disciple of the Apostle John. Um, basically, you could open what's called the Apostolic Fathers, and there are about, I think, six or seven writings. Uh, or six or seven people that uh, the writings date back to pretty close to the beginning. Uh, you know, some of them may have even been written before the Old Testament was done. I mean, excuse me, the New Testament was done. And yeah. that's incredibly early. That is extremely early. Yeah, when you think about, uh, well, I mean, they would all have been put together before the New Testament itself was compiled, because that doesn't happen for another couple hundred years. Yeah, right. but. But yeah, Gary Machuda, this is fascinating stuff, and I encourage people to go pick up your book, The Gospel Truth, especially for the next time someone challenges you and says, well, who can trust the Bible because it's old, right? Well, we can yeah. we can look at, at some very good reasons as to why we can trust the Bible. Hands-on apologetics linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Thanks, Gary. Have a, have a happy Thanksgiving, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. You too, Matt. All right. We're back right after this with Courtney Brown from Ruah Woods. It's 14 Tilt.
I have been a school sister of Notre Dame for 72 years. Most senior Catholic sisters, brothers, and religious order priests serve for years with little pay. I always taught the primary grades, and I loved it. Today, hundreds of religious communities lack retirement funds. Your gift to the Retirement Fund for Religious helps provide medications and care. Please give to those who have given a lifetime. Thank you, and God bless you a hundredfold. Donate at your local parish. Support is from Affirm Films comes Journey to Bethlehem, a Christmas musical film for the whole family. This wasn't a dream. An angel came to me. Look at the star. This is it. Do you truly believe that this child is the chosen one? What is his name? Jesus. Journey to Bethlehem. Rated PG. Federal guidance suggested. In theaters everywhere now. Soundtrack also available. More information is at journeytobethlehem.com. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at SacredHeartRadio.com. That's Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com. Hi friends, Janet Williams here. Join me every Wednesday on Women of Grace Live as I welcome new age researcher and blogger for Women of Grace, Sue Brinkman. Sue and I will be talking about all the wacky things that could distract you from your faith. Psychics, yoga, Reiki, crystals, acupuncture, Ouija boards, tarot cards, and astral traveling are just a few of the stranger things we discuss. That's why we call it Wacky Wednesday. So join us at 11 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. On the next More to Life, Toasted. Is burnout getting the better of you? We'll help you find peace and purpose. That's later today on More to Life. Now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. 12 till, here's Anna with headlines. Pope Francis has once again prayed and asked the faithful to pray for peace every day, especially in the Holy Land in Ukraine and in Sudan. The U.S. bishops at their General Assembly yesterday voted on the Forming Consciences for Faithful Citizenship revised introduction. Abortion will continue to be the preeminent priority according to it. And President Biden says his meetings with Chinese President Xi Jinping yesterday were constructive and productive. You can hear news at the top and bottom of each hour right here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Courtney Brown, Executive Director of the Ruah Woods Institute. We've been getting some mini lessons from him based on Revealed, the K-12 through curriculum. We're making our way through the second grade curriculum currently. Courtney, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I am doing fine. And, you know, there are some big concepts in John Paul II's Theology of the Body that, I mean, scholars have written books about them. And one of those concepts, I think, is original unity. So, first off, what is original unity? And then how do you teach that to a second grader? That's a great question. So, just a refresher. JP2 talks about, when he looks at original man, 
um, major man and woman, he talks about these three experiences. One, original solitude, where it says it's not good for man to be alone. And he reflects on that. And then he reflects on the moment called original unity when, in a sense, Adam awakes and sees the woman and says, this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. Or she better call a woman. And there's this deep uh, poetic imagery there that essentially when when we think about how did Adam and Eve see each other in the beginning, and this idea that when the experience of being alone, that we were meant to be in relation because we're in the image of God, that we're meant to be in relation with others and himself. And it's how God has designed us. So when we, JP2 reflects heavily on this idea of what it was to see the other in their perfect, I'm going to use a big word here, but he calls it a psychosomatic union. So mm-hmm. when he saw, it's this moment of, the best way I can describe it, of awe. So I remember when I went to see the Grand Canyon for the first time, I, I just was stopped. I, I could not, I could not, I, I just stood still and watched sure. the moment and stayed in that moment and just was in, was in awe. So when we find ourselves contemplating beauty and goodness and in a sense are brought out of ourselves and something bigger, um, that's essentially what Adam and Eve were experiencing within each other. So it wasn't this idea of wanting to grasp at each other or take it was a just in a sense of a gift and a response to that mm-hmm. gift, so a giving and, re- and receiving. So this this idea of original unity is a, is a big concept. It's something to continue to reflect on. And in the quilt maker's gift, as we talked about last time, there we use that book to also describe this idea for second graders that uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, right? This uh, communion of saints, and we have these activities where we match up saints to show how even. These saints that we had in the church, like St. Francis, St. Clair, all had people, brothers and sisters, to walk along their journey. So we use uh, friendship as a way to talk about original unity as well. Oh, that's fantastic. So tell us about the saint activity that you have for the second graders. So at the end of the, the lesson, after they discuss a little bit, what we do is we pass out cards. And each of the cards, it's a matching game. But they're different saints, but each saint has a match. So St. Therese of Lisieux's parents are there. So in a classroom of 30, you can imagine just 30 kids sitting, they each get a card. And what they have to do is they have to find their match. And you don't tell them right out of the gate. You just let them talk about their saints. Because then they're thinking they're trying to find the same saint. But in the reality, what they're doing is they're actually trying to find the person that was in partnership. Ah, I'm holding it up for our video participants. If you want to see the cards, they're very beautiful images. They really are, yeah. yeah. And it's a, it's a really good activity for them to kind of see that you know, these heroes of our of our faith had people to walk with them. They they have a journey that they're going through, and as they're walking through that journey, that we need people, we need others, we need family, we need we need friends, we need teachers, we need mentors. You know, mm-hmm. we need people. So yeah, and I see Louis and Zelly Martin are there as well. So husbands need wives, wives need husbands. <laughs> Right, which is a great segue, too, into that uh, the actual next book. So we're continuing this theme of gift of self and then this understanding of original unity and that we were made in relationship, um, the next book we talked through kind of dives even deeper into this concept of gift of self and original unity with uh, St. George and the Dragon. And that, that story is really amazing when you read it. Um, what it's, it's, a, it's, it's a deeply profound uh, allegory for sure. Mm. So, like for example, if you read that book, Saint George 
is in the beginning doesn't know his name actually he's not sure where he's from but he's called by this fairy queen to go on a journey and he has to embark on his journey and then all along his journey this this uh this princess in the name of una which represents one is bad in a sense is looking for a knight in shining armor to rescue her village where her parents are trapped and it's obviously a dragon that's constantly lurking and it causes problems so on his journey it's, it actually says narrow path, and that mm. Una, this princess, is accompanying the, the on his journey. And there are times where they get lost, but in the, along the journey, he's brought back into the path. And then once he faces the dragon, this is what's really cool about this, because in normal these stories, they never, the knight never gets dinged up. But in the quest of the dragon, he actually gets hurt and gets wounded, and in a sense is brought back to to hell through water and this image of baptism. And then what's interesting as you read the story, what Una is also doing in the midst of all of this, Una is praying and she's, and she's like, she gets afraid because she thinks he's dead. The night is dead at times, but then she's just praying and she's quiet. It's like that receptivity of our lady, right? Like not, she doesn't take up a sword. She doesn't take up a, she just sits and knows that this is the night's quest. And at the moment, as they're on their journey, I forgot to mention this too, there's actually a city that they run across that's jewels, which is supposed to represent the city of heaven. Wow. And he wants to go there now. But the, the, um, this hermit he runs into reminds him that that's not his, that's to come, but really he has to first enter into the battle with the dragon. So, so his, his destination, he has a destination that he's going towards, which is supposed to symbolize heaven. So ultimately he gets wounded, it's hurt, but then comes back and then eventually slays the dragon and the village is going, you know, crazy and excited or whatnot. But this, this is just a strong image that, you know, most of these stories and these allegories, we see that it's individual. It's like the knight is trying to do this for the princess, but in reality, he was saving everyone. Wow. Revealed yeah. is the name of the curriculum. You can find it through the Rural Woods Institute. We've been talking to Courtney Brown. You can also find it linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Courtney, thank you. You're welcome. Have a great day. You too. Thank you. All right, that'll do it for this national edition of the Sunrise Morning Show. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. Ryan Lopez here. What do you think we need more of in our world? It's obvious that we need Sacred Heart Catholic Radio and more of it. That is why we have recently expanded to seven different media platforms. On December 6th, we invite you to join us in our Advent Pledge Drive as we look to raise $60,000. Your pledge of $10, $20, $50 a month will ensure that we can illuminate the darkness of the world with the light of Christ. So we invite you to join our mission December 6th. Or you can visit sacredheartradio.com today and click donate. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Twin Dental of Cincinnati. Since 1986, twin brothers, doctors David and Michael Rothen, have been providing superior dental care in a relaxed and comfortable setting for the entire family. The twin dental doctors utilize advanced dentistry techniques from sedation to implants and the latest in cosmetic options to preserve and beautify smiles. Twin Dental, located just off the I-275 exit at Hamilton Avenue. For a complimentary evaluation, 513-825-6111 and online at twindental.com. Pregnancy Center West is committed to protecting the unborn by encouraging women to see and choose the beauty of life while offering practical assistance for them and their families. Donate securely online at supportpcw.org. That's supportpcw.org. Why wait in endless lines at the pharmacy when Brozard Pharmacy, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, can fill your prescriptions in a timely manner with high quality. Brozard Pharmacy, fast, friendly service without the wait. 
513-941-0428. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from St. Margaret Hall, an assisted living and skilled nursing facility sponsored by the Carmelite Sisters for the Aged and Infirm. St. Margaret Hall has been providing loving care to the community for over 50 years. At St. Margaret Hall, your loved ones will receive 24-hour care from dedicated professionals with newly renovated, stylish assisted living units. At St. Margaret Hall, the difference is love. On Madison Road, 513-751-5880. On the web at stmargarethall.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Ken Herbert Plumbing, licensed in Ohio and Kentucky. All their plumbers are bonded, insured, drug-tested, and background-checked for peace of mind. Rated A-plus from the BBB. Ken Herbert Plumbing, 513-383-2974. Catholic Engaged Encounter Weekends are a marriage preparation program led by married couples and a priest or deacon. What makes this marriage prep program unique is you will have two days as a couple to delve into important subjects that will affect your relationship together for the rest of your lives. More time for prayer and reconciliation and closing the weekend with Mass. More information is at cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com. That's cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com. This is Deacon Mike Erb with St. Ignatius of Loyola Parish in Mumford Heights. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. Continue on this Thursday, the 16th of November, praying together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, make us know your ways. For those who have been disappointed by their loved ones, fill them with hope in you. For those who seek the truth, guide them to the fullness of faith in you. For the aging, keep them always in your love. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. It is a better way to start a Thursday morning, the 16th day of the month of November. We are the Sunrise Morning Show. This is... Sacred Heart Catholic Radio, made possible through your generous support over the past couple of decades or so. Don't forget that on the Feast of St. Nicholas, December 6th, we've got our Advent Pledge Drive coming up. So be thinking and praying right now about how you uh, might help us out with that so we can hit that one-day goal of $60,000 in terms of the kind of money that people are throwing around and the NFL and off-season trades and the MLB and Government debt, sixty thousand doesn't sound like much, but it was it will be a huge and I mean huge help to operations here at Sacred Heart Radio. Up this hour, I'm Matt Sway. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman will take a look at sports. Danielle Bean is going to share, I think, some pie recipes for Thanksgiving. Father Sebastian Walsh will join us as well. Also, Ryan Lopez in the studio, and uh, he finally figured out a way to get me and Anna in the same room here in a few weeks, and he'll tell us more about that. And then Dr. Christopher Jacoby is going to continue a, a study that we've been doing with him on uh, 
Well, he's done a lot of research into priests for Catholic University of America, and he'll share some of the results of that. So stay with us if you can. Right now it's two minutes past. News of service of Bridgetown Finer Meats and BridgetownFinerMeats.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. The head of the FBI says while Americans should not be panicking, he is concerned about the threat of a terror attack due to the Israel-Hamas war. FBI Director Christopher Wray told a House subcommittee yesterday that terrorist organizations, including al-Qaeda and the Islamic State, have called for attacks on the U.S. and its allies. Ray said the agency is most concerned about domestic extremists. He advised Americans to not panic, but stay alert. During his general audience yesterday, Pope Francis again asked the faithful to pray daily for peace. From Vatican Radio, Thaddeus Jones reports. At the conclusion of his Wednesday general audience, Pope Francis turned his thoughts to the many nations suffering the horrors of war, and he asked for prayers for peace every day, wherever there is war. In particular, on Wednesday, the Pope asked for prayers for tormented Ukraine, which is suffering so much. Since the invasion of Ukraine in February 2022, over 9,600 civilians have been killed and over 17,500 injured. Pope Francis also asked for prayers for the Holy Land in Palestine and Israel. On the 7th of October, over 1,400 Israelis were killed in attacks perpetrated by Hamas. And since then, Israeli airstrikes in retaliation on the Gaza Strip have killed over 11,000 people, and some 2,500 are missing under the rubble, according to the local health ministry in Gaza. Finally, the Pope turned his thoughts to Sudan, where an estimated 9,000 people have been killed and another 5.6 million forced to flee their homes due to a devastating war between two rival military factions that erupted back in April. That civil war has been described as a humanitarian catastrophe with visible signs of ethnic cleansing, according to the UK's Minister for Africa. The Pope said, let us remember wherever there is war, and there are so many in the world. He said, let us pray for peace every day. Take some time to pray for peace in our world as we desire peace. I'm Thaddeus Jones. Pope Francis began to wrap up his catechesis series on apostolic zeal during his general audience yesterday, summarizing it through the lens of his apostolic exhortation, Evangelii Gaudium, or the joy of the gospel. The Holy Father said, quote, Jesus is our joy. He said, each of us today, take a little time and think, Jesus, you are within me. I want to meet you every day. You are a person, not an idea. You are a companion, not a program. You are love that solves so many problems. You are the beginning of evangelization. You, Jesus, are the source of joy. Amen. Abortion will continue to be the preeminent priority when it comes to what Catholics should be thinking about in the voting booth. The Catholic News Agency reports U.S. bishops yesterday debated and then voted on a revised introduction to the document forming consciences for faithful citizenship during their fall general assembly yesterday. The vote to approve it with the language of abortion being preeminent was 225 to 11 with seven abstentions. It says, quote, the threat of abortion remains our preeminent priority because it directly attacks our most vulnerable and voiceless brothers and sisters 
and destroys more than a million lives per year in our country alone. And the Senate has passed a stopgap kill. A what? A stopgap bill to fund the government and avoid a shutdown. Mark Mayfield reports. The vote was 87 to 11 with just 60 votes needed to pass. It now heads to the desk of President Biden to be signed. Both Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and Senate Republican Leader Mitch McConnell say they support the bill that extends government funding through early next year. House Speaker Mike Johnson passed the measure with mostly Democratic votes after dozens of Republicans opposed the plan due to a lack of spending cuts. I'm Mark Mayfield. 8.07 now on the Sunrise Morning Show and Sports on Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Online at beaconortho.com. Here's Paul Lockman. Boy, did this uh, week move fast. It is game day already, Anna Mitchell. Thursday night football. You got your Bengals gear on, I see. I definitely do. I will be wearing it most of the day, if not all night as well. How about this division rivals? The Baltimore Ravens host our Cincinnati Bengals tonight at MNT Bank Stadium. And uh, the Bengals need this win bad. Ravens leading the division at uh, 7-3. Cincinnati coming off a disappointing Week 10 loss to Houston. And need Joe Burrow to be sharp. He's thrown 14 touchdowns and over 2,200 yards so far this season. Need him to be the best he's been all night as he faces possibly the top defense in the NFL. Cincinnati announced that they'll be without wide receiver T. Higgins for tonight's game with a hamstring injury. Hey, congrats to the Miami Redhawks in Oxford last night. Redhawks clinched a trip to the conference championship with a 23-10 win over the Buffalo Bulls. That is a Wednesday Mac action for you there. Uh, so uh, if you're in the mood for fo- for football, there uh, there's plenty to be had. College basketball tonight, Dayton on the road taking on LSU. That is a look at sports. We'll turn it over to you, Anna Mitchell. You have traffic, a service of Rose Automotive, pre-owned vehicles on Erie Highway in Hamilton, on the web at roseautomotivegroup.com. What you got? We got an accident blocking the right lane of northbound 7175, just before the 275 interchange. And so you're backing up back toward Mount Zion right now. And then uh, you start to get heavy again once you get past 275 and head up toward the cut in the hill northbound 471 is slowing from alexandria pike up to the river southbound 71 on the ohio side of the river slow from field zertle to the norwood lateral southbound 75 as you're heading through the lachlan split eastbound 74 is slow from north bend into the 75 interchange and then you'll slow from there northbound until you get to the Norwood lateral. Dayton traffic looking all right. Now for weather, Ryan Lopez already yeah. here to prepare for his segment it's today. Got to warm up the voice, you know? Yeah, yeah, I get it. All right, great day here in Cincinnati for weather-wise. Mostly sunny, unseasonably warm today with a high of 70. Mostly cloudy tonight, not as cold with a low of 51. And tomorrow, cloudy, chance of rain with a high of 62. For the Miami Valley Dayton area, lots of sunshine today, high of 68. Considerable cloudiness tonight. Occasional rain showers after midnight with a low of 52. And tomorrow, periods of rain with a high around 60. Thank you so much, Ryan. Today is Thursday, November the 6th, the Feast of St. Gertrude the Great. Happy birthday, St. Gertrude in Madeira, 100 years old. They've got a big celebration with Archbishop Schnur tonight um, with a mass and... I think a reception and they've been doing all kinds of things. So 
a hearty congratulations. Ad multos anos to the Dominicans at St. Gertrude in Madeira. Danielle Bean joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. Connect with her at daniellebean.com. Listen to her girlfriend's podcast through goodcatholic.com. Join the community at girlfriendscommunity.com. Good morning, Danielle. Good morning. How are you? I am good, and I'm excited to get to talk to you about what you said was the serious business of pie. (laughs) Now, Danielle, I know there are those who just really aren't into cooking or baking. I don't know why, but you are definitely not one of them. What joy do you get from from baking, especially for your family and friends? Yeah, I think there's just something in in, in our hearts that's kind of built in there, To especially during the colder times of the year where we've got you know, the sun is setting here in New Hampshire at like 4.30 p.m. <laughs> it is dark out. We just want to bring some light and some warmth and a little bit of joy into our homes, into our families, into our everyday routines. So baking is a beautiful way to do that. You're providing sustenance for your family. You're providing sometimes a treat for your family. It's just a, a beautiful and traditional thing that I really love to do. So I, I like to look at kind of traditional American baking recipes, and some of them are kind of crazy. They used to put all kinds of crazy things in pies. But I like to use those old-fashioned recipes, though, to get back to the basics, especially around Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Thanksgiving is such a feast of tradition and that you know, a celebration of exactly that, like giving thanks for all the good things that God gives us even in the darkest days of the year. Absolutely. So why exactly, though, are pies serious business, Danielle? (laughs) Well, I do take them seriously. (laughs) You know, when I was a girl, my mom baked pies, but she wasn't she wasn't a fanatic about it. But she, she enjoyed baking quite a bit. And I remember just watching her as she kind of like rolled out the dough and crimped the crust and and she did so perfectly. These are the kinds of hand skills that you can have after spending years practicing something. And I remember my first awkward attempts at trying to roll out pie dough, and it was pretty terrible. And I remember talking to my mom about it, being frustrated about it. And she was very encouraging of me, telling me, you know, as you do things over time, you get better at them. And uh, sure enough, that is so true. And it's something that I really kind of appreciate about kind of culinary arts in various ways, whether it's you know, um, you know, chopping up vegetables or if it's baking a pie for Thanksgiving. These are just everyday basic life skills that we can get better at doing. And they're the kinds of things that every human being needs, right? Every human being needs sustenance, needs food. So working out ways of increasing our skills to be able to do that and do that in a pleasant and enjoyable way, I think is really what it's all about. What's your favorite pie? Oh, Gosh, you're asking me to pick like my favorite child here. No, I, I can't understand. do that. Yeah, no, you got no. eight of them too. <laughs> I know, but I have to say pumpkin pie this time of year. Nice. Okay, I have yeah. seasonal pie. So, yeah, sure. pumpkin pie definitely wins this time of year. And I share a recipe on my website that came from an older neighbor of ours many years ago when I was growing up. And I've held on to it ever since. It really is just the all-around best recipe, and I love it. That's fantastic. We're going to get that recipe here in a second. My favorite pie is my little sister's apple pie. Um, it's just delicious. I'm curious, when when you make fruit pies, are you like mm-hmm. a, I don't know what, I don't 
I can't believe that I just put myself into this position. I don't know what all of the <laughs> names of the, the like the top of the pie, like lattice or like oh, lattice solid. Uh-huh. Do you like to do like little yeah. decorations when you poke all the holes? All of the above. Yeah. What's your... <laughs> all of the above, yeah. But, you know, one really fun thing, and I'll just throw this out there in case anyone wants to try because it it's super easy and it looks really kind of impressive and fun, is for your top pie crust, just roll it out like you usually do. And then use a cookie cutter to cut out pieces that you just oh. place on top of the pie. Yeah. I do that with a leaf-shaped cookie cutter, and it comes out really cool. And it's a lot of fun to have that for Thanksgiving. Nice, nice. Yeah, my sister, my older sister does that with her pumpkin pies. She puts little pieces of dough on top. I know that might be anathema to you, but it does look I, really I can't pretty. imagine putting a top crust on pumpkin. Are you well, no, me? not like I, a whole <laughs> top crust. It's just like little okay. pieces so that there's like okay, a decoration okay. in there. Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, yeah. It's very pretty. That's very legit. Pretty. I like um, that. <laughs> so can I go buy a crust at the store, Danielle, or <laughs> should I make it from well, scratch? You can. You can. I mean, (laughs) I don't recommend it. I don't recommend it. I, you know, pie crust is one of those things that I I realized we, we kind of put on this high pedestal, like, oh, I can't possibly do that. And, and yet it's one of those basic life skills that I think is just, it's so true that you just get better at it by doing it. You know, years ago, I realized that they have these pie crust mixes where you add water to it. And I'm like, well, you're already doing the work of making the pie crust. Yeah. You might as well put together the, the dry ingredients with the fat and yeah. mix in the water yourself. <laughs> so I think it's so important to just realize that this is a basic skill. You can so learn it and, and don't be afraid of it. But no, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna look down on anybody who's buying their pie crust. You know, you gotta do oh, what you I gotta will. do and you, absolutely I'll look down on them. No, I'm just kidding. But the <laughs> um but there is something to be said for working with your hands and actually being involved, I mean, you could say the same thing about like gardening and and just being in touch yeah. with the food that you're eating. Absolutely, I think that is so important to know. And I think that the more that we can do that, the better off we're going to be. Really, you know, knowing the source of your food and creating things from scratch, and maybe your schedule isn't going to always allow for it. But especially on a holiday, maybe take the time and make something from scratch that you wouldn't normally do. And it's a beautiful way to kind of pause, appreciate the slow process of creating food, appreciate the effort that goes into it, and be thinking about and praying for your family as you do that. It's a beautiful gift that you can mm-hmm. give to your family. Yep, absolutely. It's a form of work which has dignity. So give us the recipes here, Danielle. I know you've got a, a simple pie dough recipe for for newbies and also uh, that pumpkin pie recipe you mentioned. Yeah. So, I mean, I think people should just go to daniellebean.com slash recipes, which yeah. is that this is a secret this is a secret um, I was going to say, here, there's okay? nothing on the top about that. Like, Yeah, you're... yeah, no, that's a cheat code on my Ooh. website, and you can get the recipes that way. I'm only sharing it with you and me and anyone who's listening. So nice. com slash recipes. And these are, if you go into, like, the baking section, I have my pie crust recipe there, my... Um, pecan pie and pumpkin pie, all of those things are there. Oh, wow. You can find those that There's I really enjoy. Here. And there is, and I've only put recipes on there that I truly love and that truly work. You know, I, I, I get frustrated by collections of recipes that aren't ones that are tried and true. And so you can count on the ones that are shared there. Wow. I'm going to bookmark this. com <laughs> slash recipes, now bookmarked in Anna Mitchell's book. 
love it. I love it. It's your Thanksgiving cheat code. Oh, Danielle, I'm so grateful. So we'll um, we'll put that in the show notes, or well. I don't know. Danielle, can I put it in the show notes? I don't know. Of like course. people who yeah. aren't listening not- right at this moment. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's totally cool. All right, good. We have permission. So you can find it in the show notes. I'll send it over to Matt to get them in there. Daniellebean.com slash recipes. Danielle, it was so good to talk to you. Thank you so much and have a very happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. God bless you. You too. Thank you. All right. A take team past back with traffic and weather right after this. I'm Father Rob Jack. Join me this afternoon for Driving Home the Faith when Dr. Scott Heffelfinger will share the latest Advent video from the Augustine Institute. Dr. Jennifer Roback Morris will talk about resources for pregnancy centers. I will reflect on the life of St. Gertrude the Great, plus frequent traffic and weather. That's this afternoon beginning at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. You're on the road to Christ the King. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Bridgetown Finer Meats, the place to go for Wagyu beef. This beef is bred from authentic Wagyu genetics from legendary Japanese bloodlines. Holistically raised on local family farms, Wagyu is all natural with no added hormones, highly marbled, and absolutely delicious. Since 1979, Bridgetown Finer Meats has continually offered prime beef, top quality pork, Amish poultry, fresh seafood, and a vast array of homemade foods. Bridgetown Finer Meats, 574-3100 and online at BridgetownFinerMeats.com. Support for Sacred Art Radio is from Molly Maid of Westchester. With 30 years of trusted, quality service and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. 1-800-MOLLY-MAID or at mollymaid.com. Molly Maid, a clean you can trust. Water damage in your home or business? Plumbing and flooding problems not repaired and restored can quickly get worse over time. Rainbow International of Cincinnati and Northern Kentucky, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, can help. Rainbow International, 513-271-1000. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Is inflation making you feel frustrated and out of control when it comes to your expenses? We have a solution. It's Solidarity HealthShare. With Solidarity HealthShare, you control what doctors you go to and how much you spend with pricing options that start as low as $384 for families. Take control of your health care and your budget with Solidarity HealthShare. 855-954-5688. Solidarity HealthShare. 855-954-5688. Guys, Danielle has a snickerdoodle recipe. Just anybody wants to make them for me go to daniellebean.com slash recipes all right traffic <laughs> brought to you by larkin message Cobb. of ad paul what are you doing <laughs> larkin cobb chevrolet buick and gmc in eden ohio he's done me shilling for free baked goods he was probably looking at daniel beans yeah he probably was too yeah all right Larkin Cobb Chevrolet Buick and GMC in Eaton, Ohio, on the web at LarkinCobb.com. Slowing as you head through the Lachlan split on southbound 75. They've cleared up the accident on northbound 7175, but you are still off and on heavy and slow from Mount Zion up to the cut in the hill. Southbound 71 remains kind of slow from Field Turtle down to the Norwood Lateral. Now for weather. Here's Ryan Lopez. Thank you, Annie. Beautiful day here in Cincinnati. I'm going to call it. This is going to be the last day of the year that will hit 70 degrees. So make sure. I think so. All right. So make sure you enjoy it. Mostly sunny skies tonight. Tonight, mostly cloudy. Not as cold as as it has been, but with a low of 51. Tomorrow, cloudy chance of rain with a high of 62. 
For the Miami Valley Dayton area, lots of sunshine today, high of 68, considerable cloudiness tonight, occasional rain showers after midnight with a low of 52, and tomorrow periods of rain with a high around 60. Now please pray with me the prayer for Ohio in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Ever-living God, you give life and desire a future for all your children. Take hold of our nation, state, and community, and awaken in every heart awe for the gift of life. Send your spirit to strengthen us with wisdom and fortitude as we defend mothers and children in Ohio from laws that disregard their health and safety. Mary and Joseph trusted in you and welcomed Jesus into our broken world. Father, we ask their intercession to protect the preborn and their mothers and to guide all parents in raising their children. May they help us build a civilization of love by upholding the sacredness of life, preserving parental rights, and accompanying pregnant women in need. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Lady, Mother of the Family, pray, pray for, for us. St. Joseph, Protector of the Unborn, pray, pray for us. Father Sebastian Walsh joins us next. It's 23 past. Let there be light are the first words that God spoke in the Bible. But even though we chose the darkness of sin, Father Rob Jack reflects on how God overcame the darkness by sending us the light of the world for Sacred Heart Radio's Christmas newsletter. And to bring the light of the world to everyone, use the QR card that we sent so everyone can download the Sacred Heart Radio app. Then on Wednesday, December 6th, local Catholics will prove to those pushing to silence pro-life radio that we are an immovable Force by raising $60,000 during Sacred Heart Radio's Advent Pledge Drive. And with our Pledge Drive on the Feast of St. Nicholas, you'll meet the big man himself that delivered the Sunrise Morning Show on video. You'll also read how we're planning to sweeten the deal when Sacred Heart Radio visits your parish, along with the updated program schedule and more. To receive the Christmas newsletter with the QR card, visit sacredheartradio.com and click on Newsletter Sign Up. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Twin Dental of Cincinnati. Since 1986, twin brothers, doctors David and Michael Rothen, have been providing superior dental care in a relaxed and comfortable setting for the entire family. The twin dental doctors utilize advanced dentistry techniques from sedation to implants and the latest in cosmetic options to preserve and beautify smiles. Twin Dental, located just off the I-275 exit at Hamilton Avenue. For a complimentary evaluation, 513-825-6111 and online at twindental.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Hoding Realtors, trusted and recommended by generations of families to sell their homes. Licensed in Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana. Hoding Realtors, 513-451-4800 and at Hoding.com. Why wait in endless lines at the pharmacy when Brozart Pharmacy, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, can fill your prescriptions in a timely manner with high quality. Brozart Pharmacy, fast, friendly service without the wait at brosartpharmacy.com. Sacred Heart Radio is blessed to have the support of Larkin Cobb Chevrolet Buick GMC in Eaton, Ohio, offering a wide range of new and used cars, trucks, and SUVs with on-site financing. Larkin Cobb, close to Eaton, Richmond, Dayton, and Brookville. On the web at larkincobb.com. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father Sebastian Walsh. He's the author of a couple of different books, but the one we've been going through with him is called The Heart of the Gospel. We've been looking at the Beatitudes. Father, good morning. Good morning, Matt. How are you? I'm doing well, although I, if I understand correctly, I'll be doing better in the next life. Uh, that being <laughs> said, uh, when Jesus talks about happiness and blessedness, how much of what he's saying applies to 
how life is going to work out here if we follow those instructions. And how much of it is just saying, well, it's going to be terrible for now, but trust me, heaven is great. Like, <laughs> how, do, how do we parse out which, which things those promises are for, this life or yeah. the next? Sure. Well, if you read those Beatitudes carefully, you notice that each Beatitude contains a, a condition for merit and then a promised reward. And the first and the last Beatitude give that reward in the present tense. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then those who are persecuted, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They're promised, interestingly, the same reward, at least verbally, and it's in the present tense. But all the others in between, the promise is about a future reward. So Jesus is obviously saying in some way it's present, in some way it's future, okay? And, and Jesus himself said at one point, the kingdom of heaven is among you. He's already, that beginning of the kingdom of heaven has already started here on earth in some way. But the key to understanding the way in which the Beatitudes are present and future is the theological virtue of hope. Hope has an amazing power, and the power of hope is to bring future joy into the present. And I'll give you, um, I'll give you one simple example. I give two in my book, but one, one kind of, you know, uh, an example a lot of people have experienced. So let's say you've got this young woman. She is at work and having a bad day, and she makes a bunch of mistakes. Her boss is mad at her. She's having a bad hair day, you know, and her boyfriend calls and says, hey, do you want to grab some dinner tonight? So she goes to dinner, and she's just about ready to let him know all about the problems of her day. And he kneels down, produces a diamond ring, and asks her to marry him. In that moment, all of her sorrows are like nothing. And she's filled with joy. A lot of women report that they had more joy on the day of their engagement than on their wedding day. Can you imagine? And, um, and that wedding might be more than a year away. But what does she have? She has hope in the word of a fickle young man. <laughs> but nevertheless, Well, the whole world enough. looks differently, right, from that moment yeah. forward because of, of what's, what, what lies ahead. You know, that is an interesting way to look at it but uh you know i i also think you know I, I was just having this conversation with a couple of my friends who are former protestant pastors and we were talking about you know some of the messaging that goes along with with certain strains of, of protestant theology that would say you know the world is bad it's not our home you know we're going to be miserable down here uh mm -hmm. we just got to slog through because our real home is on the other side of this we don't really have a home here when in fact the catholic church would say yes you do have a home here uh, it's the church, right? In some ways, mm -hmm. the church is this beautiful, amazing gift that we have now that will be fully realized, well, at the wedding feast of the Lamb. I mean, yeah. the church is kind of that, that image of the engagement and the marriage all in like this massive cosmic way. Yeah. Well, Christian mysticism is really that beginning of eternal life here below. And as I mentioned before, if you have that theological virtue of hope, Already the goods of heaven start to become active and present in your heart now so that you're already by hope experiencing this great joy, this tremendous joy. And, and that's at the same time able to, to happen with the afflictions of this world. You know, St. Paul talks about that. St. Peter talks about that. This sense of simultaneously um, experiencing the joys of heaven, this beautiful, you know, uh, accounts in the lives of the saints of how they feel like they were so close to heaven there's only just a thin veil separating us from god you know 
but at the same time experiencing bodily suffering and persecution and everything else that the, the Beatitudes talk about. It's just that that joy and that higher part of our soul is so dominant that it becomes the, um, the central um, principle of action in our life. So the Christian, as St. Paul says, rejoices always, even in this life. St. Paul says rejoice always, not just when you get to heaven. You know, I can't help but think as you're as you're saying that there's a psalm that that immediately kind of comes to mind, uh, where in Psalm 27 it says uh, how the last line of it is after going through all kinds of you know travails as the psalmist yeah. often does. It says, "I believe that I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living." Um, yeah. And I've known people who've taken that to like a oh well that means that. You know, if you just have enough faith, amazing things are just going to happen to you all the time. But in some sense, we see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living in like really little and small and grace-filled moments kind of all over the place. Um, mm-hmm. And they all point to, they all point to, you know, what's the fulfillment, what's the destiny, but we get those moments now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, St. Teresa of Lisieux, she said, we have only the brief moment of this life to do good for the good God. Huh? And in heaven, um, we'll, we'll enjoy our reward. But we won't be able to merit anymore. This is a time for merit now. And so I remember Mother Angelica was asked whether or not she wanted to have, you know, any means to help her stay alive. She said, keep me alive as long as possible because I won't be able to gain merit except in this life. So she stayed alive, you know, using a lot of equipment and stuff like that for years, you know, because she wanted to continue to merit. And that's someone, you know, who really wanted to save souls and to draw closer to Christ in this life. And um, you see, the kingdom of heaven is already among us in that way. Well, it is uh, a fascinating thing to reflect upon. And again, uh, you know, kind of going back to this whole question that God actually wants us to be happy, right? <laughs> he actually wants yeah. our happiness and our good, uh, and that he doesn't tell us to do X, Y, and Z thing because he wants us to be miserable. It's actually the opposite. <laughs> so, Yeah. Um, the human heart is counterintuitive. It works the opposite way than you think it will. Right, so you think you think that riches are going to make you happy, and the Lord says, "No, giving up everything and following me is going to make you happier." <laughs> yeah, indeed. You know, I sometimes I think about how great it would be to be rich, and then I see all the rich people in the news who are miserable. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, maybe not, maybe not. So, yeah. well, the book is called "The Heart of the Gospel: How the Beatitudes Show Us God's Plan for Happiness." It's by Father Sebastian Walsh. Father, thank you as always. Have a wonderful day. Sure thing. God bless you, Matt, and God bless all your listeners. All right. We got 32 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. Abortion will continue to be the preeminent priority when it comes to what Catholics should be thinking about in the voting booth. The Catholic News Agency reports the U.S. bishops yesterday debated and then voted on a revised introduction to the document forming consciences for faithful citizenship during their fall General Assembly. The vote to approve it with the language of abortion being preeminent was 225 to 11 with seven abstentions. The head of the FBI says that while Americans should not be panicking, he is concerned about the threat of a terror attack due to the Israel-Hamas war. FBI Director Christopher Wray told a House subcommittee yesterday that terrorist organizations, including al-Qaeda, and the Islamic State have called for attacks on the U.S. and its allies. Ray said the agency is most concerned about domestic extremists. He advised Americans to not panic 
but to stay alert. During his general audience yesterday, Pope Francis once again prayed for the war in the Holy Land, which has now been raging for 41 days. And he asked the faithful to pray for peace every day. He said, wherever there is war. In addition to the war between Israel and Hamas, the Holy Father again specifically appealed for martyred Ukraine, which suffers so much, and for those suffering in the civil war in Sudan. The Holy Father in his catechesis is beginning to wrap up his series on apostolic zeal, summarizing it through the lens of his apostolic exhortation, Evangelic Gaudium, or the joy of the gospel. From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Lubov reports. Jesus is the source of our joy and our faithful friend. He is with us on our journey. The Holy Father reminded the faithful that as Christians, we have Christ as our faithful friend who's always at our side, no matter what we face. The Lord, the Pope suggested, is always with us in all we do. Our personal encounter with Christ, Pope Francis highlighted, makes us new and fills us with joy. The question, dear brothers and sisters, is therefore not whether to proclaim him, but how to proclaim him. And this how, he said, is joy. Either we proclaim Jesus with joy or we do not proclaim him, because any other way of proclaiming the Lord is not capable, he noted, of bringing the true reality of Jesus. The Pope recalled a passage from the Gospel according to St. Luke, which tells the story of the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, who were filled with joy after encountering the Lord. One returns to daily life with the impetus of one who has found a treasure, the Holy Father noted, adding they were joyful, these two, because they had found Jesus, and he changed their lives. An encounter with Jesus, he noted, always brings you joy, and if this does not happen to you, it is not a true encounter with the Lord. Pope Francis concluded by offering comforting words for the faithful to take to heart and some homework. Each of us today, he noted, must take a little time and think, you, Jesus, are the source of my joy. You are within me. I want to meet you every day. I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov. The Senate has passed a stopgap bill to fund the government and avoid a shutdown. Government agencies will be funded through early next year. And the Buckeye State is making its mark when it comes to brewing beer. The nonprofit USA Facts reports Ohio ranked third among U.S. states for beer production in 2022, making more than 17 million barrels. Ohio landed at ninth when it comes to production for on-site taproom consumption, con- consumption, consumption at nearly 5,000 barrels. The Alcohol and Tobacco Tax and Trade Bureau reports U.S. breweries made just under 5.5 billion gallons of beer last year, and a lot of them in Ohio, apparently. 8.37 now on the Sunrise Morning Show and Sports on Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine online at beaconortho.com. Here's Paul Lachman. All of a sudden, it is game day if you're a Cincinnati Bengals fan. Bengals will take on the Baltimore Ravens tonight. Ravens enter the contest 7-3 and three atop the AFC North. And Cincinnati coming off a disappointing Week 10 loss to Houston trying to bounce back and climb out of the basement in the AFC North. Cincinnati enters the uh, contest at 5-4. and We'll be missing wide receiver T. Higgins and defensive end Sam Hubbard. They are both ruled out for today's game. Columbus Blue Jackets back on the ice. They're trying to snap a long losing streak. The team hasn't won 
in quite some time. They are uh, trying to avoid their seventh straight loss. My goodness. Blue Jackets take on the uh, Phoenix Coyotes tonight at Nationwide Arena. Major League Baseball looking to tweak its pitch clock for next season. Uh, The uh, competition committee is considering reducing the pitch clock with runners on base from 20 seconds to 18 seconds. How fast do we need the game to go? Come on. First day of spring training will take place February the uh, 22nd. My goodness. All right, that's a look at sports. We got more on the Sunrise Morning Show right after this. Sacred Heart Radio volunteers. Wednesday, December 6th is our Advent Pledge Drive, and we need volunteers to answer phones from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. that day. If you can help, even for an hour, call 513-731-7740 or visit sacredheartradio.com and click volunteer. We need your help to raise $60,000 on Wednesday, December 6th. If you can answer phones anytime that day, please visit sacredheartradio.com and click volunteer. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Dr. Robert Berger at Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Dr. Berger has been recognized by Cincinnati Magazine nearly every year over the past 20 years as one of the top physicians in orthopedic surgery, and he serves as team physician for Xavier University, Mount St. Joseph University, and LaSalle High School. Dr. Berger treats patients of all ages at the Beacon West office on Harrison Avenue and on the east side at Cincinnati Sports Club. For more information, 513-354-3700, online at beaconortho.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Rose Automotive, serving the Hamilton area with a wide selection of pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs. Rose Automotive, celebrating over 30 years of automotive excellence. On Erie Highway in Hamilton, roseautomotivegroup.com. To keep Pro-Life Radio alive next year, Sacred Heart Radio listeners will begin by raising $60,000 on Wednesday, December 6th. So ask everyone to listen now and to help us raise $60,000 on December 6th during our Advent Pledge Drive. One of the flaws in our human nature is passing judgment on our fellow man. It is a weakness that leads to all sorts of conflict, much of which can be completely unintended. Many factors lead to us passing judgment, including ignorance, greed, jealousy, etc. What measures can you take to curtail passing judgment? Over the next few days, take a look at how we can show our families ways to accept those the Lord has placed in our lives. Take a walk in the other guy's shoes. For Sacred Heart Radio, I'm Deacon Joe Grody. You know, Paul was telling me when he was trying to figure out music for this segment. He's like, well, Ryan's got California roots. Let's do- hey, I'll take Bear Wozniak music anytime. Yeah. So there you go. Ryan Lopez. Nice. That's your... We should have just done the weather, the weather music or something. <laughs> That's true. Underneath. Our weatherman. Indeed. Well, when he feels like it, depending on the weather. But Ryan Lopez, <laughs> you have pre- prevailed upon Anna Mitchell and myself to get into the same room at the same time here in a matter of a couple of weeks. Yeah. So if you could throw the details out about what we're doing and what, uh, what we have agreed to. Sure. Yeah, it's quite the feat. So for those who don't know... Uh, my main job that I work uh, most of the time is with the Good Shepherd Catholic Montessori School here in Cincinnati. I'm the advancement director there. Um, two of my three kids are there as well. Annie has three of her Several four. Several children yeah. there, yeah. <laughs> and it's just a great school. And this year, we're celebrating our 25th anniversary. So we're kind of launching a new inaugural fall banquet um, that will celebrate our 25 years as a school. Um, and it's going to be on Friday, December 1st at the Bell Event Center from 6.30 p.m. to 10.30 p.m. We still do have some seats available. 
for anyone who wants to come. And our keynote speakers uh, that we're fortunate to get are you and Annie, of course. And, uh, you know, I think back, and Annie's told this story many times that I've heard at least, was that, you know, she didn't know about Montessori until she was asked, until both of you were asked to MC an event. Mm-hmm. And you guys got a tour of the school, and, and she was sold on that. Uh, no, the, actually, uh... I was not sold in that oh, moment. No. Oh. I was so confused oh. <laughs> in that moment. This is so interesting, actually. Well, um, Montessori is like, it's like learning a whole new language. It really is. It is. Yeah, anything, it really is. If you haven't experienced Montessori, like, forget what you think about it until you go and see it. Okay, right. so we're doing atrium at our parish. And the, the the ladies who run Atrium for our religious ed, like, all these adults have gotten interested. And I'm, like, lobbying hard for our parish to do a Sunday school class that's Atrium to for grown-ups. Because oh, that's how yeah, fascinating yeah. it is right. uh, yeah. when you look at you know, this whole catechesis of the Good Shepherd question. Yeah, we, Matt, uh, this was, like, way, way back when, like, 13-ish years ago, we got invited to help MC the walkathon for Good oh, Shepherd right. Montessori. <laughs> and uh, and so we went, and I remember getting a tour from the then development director, Jaina, who um, who took us through the atrium, and I remember being like, what in the world? Where I am I? Not, what am I doing? I do not understand what she is saying to me. And then I went and became a parent at Good Shepherd Montessori, just sending my kid to preschool because I wanted to send her to a Catholic preschool. And the first time that I saw an atrium lesson, which was just Roma doing the precious pearl work, uh, I cried. Yeah. I cried. And um, it is really, really amazing what my children have been able to learn in spite of me. <laughs> in spite go. of me and my foibles in trying to catechize my child and um and so that is actually going to be a, a big part of what Matt and I are going to be talking about. Matt's going to take the uh Catholic as a way of life, Catholic Catholicism as a way of life aspect of our talk and I am going to be weaving in my experience as a parent of children in Montessori and how I have seen the just being in a Montessori environment has been able to sort of till the soil for a child to to be able to live out their Catholic faith, that it becomes kind of inherent in them. Well, and this is where we get into that whole question of the Catholic faith being caught rather than just merely taught. Yes, and, right. You know, we discuss this all the time, and I'm sure it'll come up even uh, in the next interview with uh, Dr. Jacoby about, like, why certain priests are coming from certain sorts of families and wanting to do their ministry in certain kinds of ways. It's, you know, probably because it was something that was kind of, like, in their guts, right? It was in their, like, their whole way of being. That's one of the coolest things about when you— you know, are talking to a convert family and they've got little kids and they're, they've, you've got these people who were not raised Catholic trying to figure out how to raise their kids Catholic. And then they unlock this whole thing of like the liturgical calendar, mm-hmm. uh, you know, catechesis of the Good Shepherd, feast days and all these things. And it's amazing how quickly their kids take to it. Like these adults who spent like years and years studying arguments before they become Catholic, suddenly their kids are like dialed in yeah. immediately the first time you have nachos on the feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe <laughs> or something, right? Yeah, like, I mean, you experienced this with Zeke. Right? Of course. Yeah. I, I remember, you know, when I first started talking to him about Mary and trying to over explain it, and he's like, what are you talking about, Dad? It's so patently obvious. Like, 
when you sort of live in it, you have to have it sort of knocked out of you because, you know, you're sort of naturally wired to experience things this way. And we even see this in the Mass, too, right? Like, it, it is an all-ages worship experience. Um, you know, so many different traditions, they, they have children's church. They're like, no kids in the sanctuary, right? If you got a, you know, a kid, send them over there. This is going to be the adult time, right. uh, you know. But, but, yeah, the Montessori thing, I think, is a really great way to sort of treat kids and their imagination uh, with respect, right, and give these kids credit for being creative and curious right. and being capable of a relationship with God. Right? Yeah, and allowing them to take that in a direction that they want. One of the, the principles of Montessori is follow the child. Right. And um, it's been amazing to see, you know, like Roma. Okay, my child is... <laughs> She got into the genealogy of Jesus oh, of course and she did. spent like months in her atrium sessions doing the genealogy of Jesus. And, you know, she's supposed to be doing like first communion work last year. Right. right. I, I mean, I, she got that in, obviously, but like her atrium. Right. Uh, and what do they call them? Atrium directress? What directress. They? Yeah, yeah. We, we don't have teachers. All, all the, the catechists. They're catechists and directress because yeah. they're not there to teach. They're there to see the child, follow the child. And direct them where the child is, yeah. is going. So. Give them give them the nice boundaries in which they can have this immense amount of freedom. Right. It's just really incredible. That's amazing because they really teach, you know, they, they recognize the child as a person. And I, I think back to Anthony just not too long ago was at Mass. And he's like, Daddy, why is the priest putting water in the chalice? Mm. And I think any other child would be like, what are they doing to that cup? You yeah. know, but we, we teach them where they're at in, in a way that dignifies who they are. And, and respects who they are. Um, and it's a beautiful form of education that's really Christ-centered. Um, and, you know, a Anthony's talking about the epiclesis. Oh, um, I know. And I'm like, I didn't, know about, grader. I didn't know about the epiclesis until I was 24, 25 years old, you know. And uh, See, what you needed is more direction and, yeah. uh, you know. <laughs> and less teaching. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, exactly. Ryan, uh, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, hopefully we can chat it up a little bit more as it gets closer. But in the meantime, throw the details out so people can sign up if they want to be part of the banquet. Yeah, again, so Friday, December 1st at the Bell Event Center, 6.30 p.m. to 10.30 p.m. The best way is just to reach out to me. We're, we're approaching our deadline to get the final count. But if you reach out to me here at the radio station or at rlopez at gscmontessori.org, um, I'd be happy to try to get you a seat there at the banquet so you guys can see Annie and Matt live. The comedy act, getting <laughs> back together. <laughs> I don't know about all that. It's going to be awesome. Well, we'll be back right after this. It's 12 till. Waking up with Mystic Monk Coffee is definitely a better way to start your day. Not only are you getting a great cup of coffee, but your purchase helps support the life of the Carmelite monks of Wyoming. And your purchase can also help our work. All you need to do is go first to sonricemorningshow.com. When you click the Mystic Monk link on the side of the page, we earn a commission. Support the monks and support the Sunrise Morning Show. Click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. That's sonricemorningshow.com. You rely on your car, so rely on the experts at Fort Mitchell Garage, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. They can do it all from brakes, tires, and heating and cooling to towing and collision repair and more. Fort Mitchell Garage on Dixie Highway and Park Hills. On the web at fortmitchellgarage.com. Our bodies are a gift of God, a temple of the Holy Spirit. Just as the human body ought to be treated with respect and dignity in life, so it is meant to be treated after death. The Cincinnati Catholic Cemetery Society can help make advance arrangements with their Catholic funeral plan. 
Pre-planning is especially important to those preparing to enroll in Medicare. It also ensures that you make the arrangements you want, leaving your family without the hardship of planning while grieving. Find out more at 557-2306, extension 319, or online at cccsohio.org. Support comes from On a Mission to Love for books, handcrafted gifts for baptism, communion, confirmation, wedding, birthdays, and more, all deeply based in the rosary and devotion to our Holy Mother. Onamissiontolove.com. That's onamissiontolove.com. A wedding is a day. A marriage is a lifetime. Catholic Engaged Encounter Weekends are a marriage preparation program led by married couples and a priest or deacon. This is time for a couple to learn about each other and their upcoming marriage. Based on communication, intimacy, and the family they grew up in. Find out more at cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com. That's cincinnati-covington.engagedencounter.com. to welcome back to the Sunrise Morning Show, Dr. Christopher Jacoby. He's a researcher with the Catholic Project at Catholic University of America. Dr. Jacoby, welcome back to the show. Good morning. Thank you for your continued interest in the priesthood study. Oh, my gosh. I am so excited to get to talk to you some more about this. So listeners will remember, I think it was last year, uh, the Catholic Project's major survey or study of of priests in the United States, covered a lot of topics. You did a whole series with us on um, all of these things when it, as it came to like their mental health, their relationship with their bishops, their parishioners and, and the like. And there has since been some further digging into the findings. And we're gonna spend a few weeks together unpacking um, what you've done most recently, but just first of all, why don't you tell us what those areas are that, that you started to dig a little further? Yes, so um, the focus of the second report that we released earlier this month is um, relating to polarization, generational dynamics, and the ongoing impact of the church crisis. And especially on polarization is um, relating to um, theological and political um, views and attitudes and how they've been changing historically and also how older and younger priests differ on these political theological attitudes and um, how that is affecting um, priest trust in their bishops as well so these are the three teams well it got a lot of play when it was first coming out a lot of people talking about this um (laughs) (laughs) priests and polarization i can't imagine why catholics would be so interested in this but of course we have we have so much polarization in our society all around the world really but um you know those of us here in the united states certainly have seen a lot of polarization in in politics but also in the church uh, theologically as well. So um, how did you look at this question with priests? Yes, so um, the way we measure this is their um, self-described attitude. So we ask them to rate their views on most matters having to do with theology and doctrines, and we had a scale that uh, goes from very progressive to a very conservative orthodox. So um, there are five response categories, very progressive, somewhat progressive, middle of the road, conservative orthodox, or very conservative, very orthodox. And we ask them a very similar question about their political orientation. So it's always how they see themselves on these two dimensions. All right, so 
how do they see themselves? What did you What did you learn? Yeah, we really witnessed a major historic change in that there's been a steady increase in the number of. Um, well, it's a snapshot of data. So as as we look at uh, comparing younger to older priests, we see a steady uh, increase among the younger priests in the number of priests who are conservative. So starting in the 70s or after the Second Vatican Council, um, younger priests are dramatically more likely to see themselves as conservative or very conservative on matters relating to theology and doctrine. And so to give you a number here, um, from the youngest ordination group, so maybe 2020 or later, it's over 80% of priests that see themselves as conservative or very conservative, and um, the remainder of priests sees um, himself as middle of the road. So there's virtually no one in the youngest ordination group who is very progressive, and only a very small share of uh, priests who see themselves as somewhat progressive. So, And that's a dramatic change historically. Um, in the 60s to 70s, um, actually progressive was the dominant group. Um, eight, over 80% of priests were um, progressive or middle of the road, and only 20% of priests saw themselves as um, um, conservative. So it, it's really a re reversal, which is very rare to see kind of in social science research um, of a trend here over over the generations. But but this is um, looking at uh, a snapshot of the priesthood today. So it's not comparing priests who were 20, uh, 20 years old or 30 years old um, back, in, back in the day, but it, it's looking at priests today and comparing the younger to the older priests. So young priests are extremely conservative, so to say, and the old priests are uh, much more likely to uh, see themselves as um, progressive. So so that's, that's a way of um, um, describing polarization there. But uh, there's also not so much polarization if, if we think about just the, the recent statistics of who is becoming a priest, right? Virtually all of them are conservative. So in that sense, um, polarization is declining, uh, so to say. Yeah. Yeah, what I thought was interesting when I was looking at these bar graphs, and we've, um, we don't have a whole lot of time left to get into it, but thankfully we have a couple of weeks to uh, to unpack more of this. But I was really intrigued by the fact that there were very few who said they were either very progressive or very conservative. Um, and, and like you said, this is kind of a self-assessment. So the very progressives would probably think that those who call themselves conservative are very conservative. Can you talk about sort of the caveats in that when, when you're self-assessing? Yeah, well, the question is, um, uh, what do you compare your views to? Is it, is it the current state of culture and politics right now, like what is the meaning of conservative or very conservative now versus back in the day? And our data can't really um, give us a quantitative um, answer to that, but we can correlate it to other items, like specific items about, you know, um, belief in the Eucharist, um, kind of other domains. And while, while obviously the meaning has changed, and one could argue that maybe very conservative or conservative now is somewhat different, um, maybe that's that used to be more of the middle of the road, maybe at a different point in time. Uh, so that might be a caveat, but uh, but the overall trend is so strong that that seems to be a conservative turn. But you're right to say that um, the polar groups have have grown um, or in the as well. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, we've been talking to Dr. Christopher Jacoby and looking forward to unpacking this study further in subsequent weeks. You can find it linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Dr. Jacoby, thank you. Thank you for having me, and I'm looking forward to our next uh, session. Same here. All right, that'll do it for this Thursday edition of the Sunrise Morning Show. God bless. I'm Bill Torbeck of Tri-State Abrasive and Tool Company, proud to support 
Sacred Heart Radio, Diamond and CBN are the most advanced cutting tools because they are the hardest materials known. These enable you to machine three to eight times faster compared to carbide while reducing downtime for tool changes by 90%. Improve your productivity when machining hard, cast, and powdered metals or difficult to machine materials. Find out more at theabrasiveone.com. That's the number one, theabrasiveone.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Gate of Heaven Cemetery, serving the Archdiocese of Cincinnati for 76 years. They extend their heartfelt thanks to the community for entrusting Gate of Heaven to assist them during their time of sorrow. Share the gift of gratitude with your loved ones this Thanksgiving by attending a pre-planning seminar November 21st at 11 a.m., 2 p.m., or 6 p.m. More information at 513-489-0300 or email community at gateofheaven.org. Working to see the culture of life prevail in the Miami Valley, Dayton Right to Life is here to protect God's gift of life through law, education, and community action from fertilization to natural death. Find Dayton Right to Life online at DaytonLife.org. That's DaytonLife.org. Support is for MediShare. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that is MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for health care can save many families up to 500 bucks a month, and that is huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The member satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works, too. It's been around for 30 years. Members have shared more than $5 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, really, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with. You can call right now. You'll get a price within two minutes. So see what you can say. This is a very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. Call 844-55-BIBLE. That's 844-55-BIBLE. 844-55-BIBLE. This is Archbishop Dennis Schnur from the Archdiocese of Cincinnati. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more.